0: Spaces. will it go down that low i don't know maybe maybe not but we shall find out so but i will get some more if it goes below 100. um now if i had got it at 20 when my wife told me to um like even before all the splits we we would have done really really well with it but you know,
1: you know I. It's I they say women Women actually have better intuition than men. And there's been times where, you know, it's I guess it's maybe related to the motherly instincts or the protective instincts that they have honed raising children whilst us men are out there thinking about stocks and all this stuff. Um, it maybe have to do with that. But I also wanted to touch on that. It's interesting because I think the dude who created Google Actually, claimed that it came to him in a dream. And with the amount of fluoride they're pumping into children's toothpaste and normal water, tap water, it's like that directly impacts your pineal gland, which is responsible for producing melatonin. And melatonin is responsible or plays into getting REM sleep, which is the highest level of, um, or the most effective way of sleeping. Um, considering that most people are not getting good sleep, I'll be curious to see how sleep actually impacts your intuition and your ability to dream effectively. Because if Google yeah. was uh, you know, provided in a dream, it's like, I want to get the best sleep as possible so I can download the information from whatever
0: consciousness. So so I do critical care medicine and part of like pulmonary medicine. And what pulmonary medicine partly does is about sleep studies and things of that nature. So it is some area that I have a little bit of understanding of. Um, And uh, I would say like, yes, is sleep important? Yes, no question about it. Um, The really obvious side effect of not sleeping enough is people eat too much. So you're more carb and sugar uh, avid you tend to grab like, when's the last time you were like tired and you said, Oh, well, I'm gonna go eat a salad, right? This is, this is not a thing. Like you, you'll notice this now that I've said it, you'll notice that when you're tired, you're like, you're, 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 wanting to crave stuff that you shouldn't eat, particularly sugars and carbs. And, um, it's an interesting kind of thing, but yeah, it's simple stuff like that. There's a lot of, um, what is not just your intuition, but just your behavior changes. If you don't have enough sleep, you might be more of a short fused, you might yell at people more, you might, you know, lots of different things. But um, in particular, like people with sleep apnea and who don't actually breathe properly during sleep wind up with other issues like being hypersomnolent during the day or just like not be able to pay attention in school. So a great example of this is like childhood obesity is resulting in substantial childhood sleep apnea which the um, pediatric literature really covers really nicely. But what's happening is is people are getting too fat when they're kids and it's leading to like sleep disorder, breathing, obesity, hyperventilation, sleep apnea in children. And what that's leading to then is kids like are not awake enough in school. They're sort of like falling asleep a bit or at least like their REM sleep, they're going in and out of like non-REM REM REM sleep because they're, they're you know napping during school time and stuff, and um, what that's resulted in is poor school performance. And if you perform poor in school, obviously your your career's prospects are affected as well, and your income levels and everything else. So yeah, parents being fat today and allowing their children to get fat, which usually was what happens if if you're fat as a parent, you probably have too much food at home, and they're eating eat the same shit. So what's going to wind up happening is you're going to cause generational poverty because your your income levels are almost generally lower if you're obese compared to not on average. And your kid's success is actually partially hinged in, you know, what, you know, how their weight and how they sleep and everything else. So yeah, it definitely matters. Um, but as far as like, I, like, I don't do like, there's some people unfetterable that are like really hardcore about like, I'm going to optimize my sleep and make it perfect. I'm going to, do all sorts of fitness things, whatever. I'm not one of those people that obsesses too much about these things to like optimize my, you know, daytime performance. Some people do that kind of thing. I want to live as long as possible or whatever. I don't really worry about all that stuff too much. <laughs> I try to just live life with reasonable moderation and, um, you know, and like, um, not do anything to like just weird extremes. Hopefully, and um, even then, I kind of obsess about stupid shit like crypto and stocks and whatever. But, um, you know, just cause I kind of enjoy the game of it to some extent, like, you know how some people play chess. I like to play this stuff kind of, so maybe that's why I like it. Um, maybe I'm just addicted to it. I'm not, I'm just not like admitting it to myself. <laughs> that's probably part of it. Um,
1: what about fluoride? Does, where does that? fluoride fit into all of this conversation?
0: I don't know. I've seen people like worry about fluoride and stuff, but as far as like, um, I have no idea really. I don't know. I've done pretty good in life, and I've been exposed to fluoride my entire life, so uh, my son has too. It hasn't bothered him, so I have no idea. Like, yeah, you I know, so,
2: I, I do want to ask you about uh, marijuana with sleep.
0: Do you have any professional opinion on marijuana? Yeah, sleep? Uh, that, ooh, um, I don't know the literature specifically, so I don't want to speak out of my ass about something I don't know about, but we do know that there are some effects that drugs generally have on behavior. Um, like for example, if you had people in like say Vietnam War or Iraq War, Gulf War, so I deal with veterans and others too. But imagine you you go out to a war and like, you know, everyone knows what PTSD is, you know, where you get this like anxiety response to sort of sudden movements and things and sudden sounds because you've been like traumatized by war and your brain has been conditioned, right? You've heard about this. Um, and what they, what's been found is that people that did drugs, um, things like marijuana in Vietnam, cigarette smoking, uh, people that were given benzos and things for anxiety, these people actually had worse PTSD and almost manifested the existence of it versus those that didn't do drugs at all. So is that because those are people that were like high strung to begin with and prone to PTSD and also prone to do drugs? Or was it that the drugs caused it to manifest more? That always is like a chicken and egg problem. It's hard to really tell for sure. But um, in the intensive care unit, like I use drugs all the time, like propofol, fentanyl, Versed to put you to sleep for different reasons, like to go to the operating room or to, um, you know, like, or like you have really bad respiratory disease and you're on a ventilator and such. So I use these things all the time. And um, what we've discovered in the intensive care setting is less drugs is better. So for example, if you wind up on a mechanical ventilator due to pneumonia or something, and you have disease of your lung that lasts weeks, normal intuition would say, and the medical intuition back in the 90s was, hey, sedate this person. They're uncomfortable on a the ventilator. They have a tube in their throat, whatever. It seems like it's uncomfortable. Nurses don't like the look of it. Families don't like it. They're like, I want the person to be asleep. Turns out if you put people to sleep for protracted periods of time with things like propofol. fall, or Versed, things of this nature, your brain doesn't actually cycle into non-REM-REM sleep. It just stays in non-REM sleep. It's not refreshing exactly. And you lose cognitive performance. You actually, like, if you look at nine months down the line, a year down the line, some, like, Wes Ely and some others out of Vanderbilt did some studies where it's like, okay, let's look at the MRI images a year from now after getting these drugs, and found that, like, people had cortical atrophy of their brain after being in the ICU. So if you get really critically sick, like, it's not just getting sick. You can actually lose brain function in this process, which is interesting. And so the, intu- so the intuition of human beings was wrong. We actually gave too many drugs back then because we figured patients were uncomfortable on the ventilator. Turns out it's not true. <laughs> like, most people on ventilator do perfectly fine. They're pretty comfortable. They're annoyed. They have a tube in their throat. They get used to it after a day or so. But we no longer d- deeply sedate people um, at all. We use much less uh, deep sedation. We wake people up literally every day. Uh, make sure they're not on too much and it's not lingering in their system and we really really limit expo- exposure to these things very differently than we used to in the past because we like so when it comes to questions about things like is marijuana okay and all these kind of things people ask um my sensibility on the whole is for the vast majority of people those things make you worse like they're not, they're not going to make your life better you might think so and maybe your buddy who has some anxiety problem who happened to use it and happened to like it for some reason might say it but like that would be like taking medical advice from an alcoholic it's like um like you know like like the odds are that if you just like you're going to have a better life if you drink alcohol on a daily basis versus not the odds are you probably are not going to become an alcoholic if you don't drink every day so the thing is like if you've seen if you've buried as many alcoholics as i have every one of them thought they can control themselves right and you know you wind up drinking a little bit and then drinking more and whatever so the thing is like the when it comes to drug exposure to your brain Um, When you listen to like podcasts, you listen to YouTube or whatever, you'll have a few people that have beneficial effects of everything from um, like what Timmy was talking about. Like you'll have people with benefits from things like hallucinogens or whatever, where it might have a therapeutic benefit in certain people but what has not been clearly identified is who is going to have like their schizophrenia expressed if they use a lsd for example and who is going to actually get some benefit and maybe reducing their anxiety or some other problem and open their mind up that's harder to tell so you're definitely taking a risk when you use these things that it's going to be out of control and um, you have to ask yourself like what am i trying to solve here am i taking it just for fun am i taking it because i think i'm going to solve something did i read something on the internet and the problem is like those things like mostly are anecdotal some person had a reasonable experience you know or whatever and then then you're like oh i'm going to be fine i'll i'll do it cuz he said it was a good idea and uh, that may not be the case in your particular case so what i mean to say by this whole lecture is that basically like um a lot of things that you think are going to be fine turn out not to be fine after the fact and maybe fluoride or whatever else might actually have consequences we're not aware of or maybe we haven't even fully analyzed, right? On the other hand, like there are things that if you don't do them, you're gonna have a worse life as well. And they might seem bad on their face. But like for example, if I put you on a ventilator in order to take your appendix out, that might seem like a big deal. But like letting you die of appendicitis is a a bigger deal. So if you think, well, like I wanna never be exposed to sedation, I never want to be on a ventilator for anything. Well, then like, okay, well, like, well, I can't take out your, you know, stomach cancer or something like, you know, like there are risk benefit ratios to things. And there are times when certain things are warranted and you shouldn't take anything to like absolution, like whether it's fluoride, for example, like, I don't know how much benefit it has to people's teeth or whatever. Um, I'm not really a public health expert on that front, but at the same time, um, could there be side effects that we're not aware of over the long term? Uh, Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, it's quite possible. Um, but as far as like, am I going to do anything about that? Like, like, am am I going to move cities to a different water supply? That way I don't get any fluoride in my system. I don't know. Um, like Flint, Michigan is a place that had lead in their pipes. (laughs) So like, so a bunch of people literally got lead poisoning, um, in that area. And so, and then there's like Lejeune, Camp Lejeune, which is a, you know, army base that, um, had, um, problems with, uh, carcinogens leaking into the water supply. And, um, there was a big like thing where a lot of victims of that wind up getting a lot of compensation. We had asbestos back in the early half of the last century in insulation and ships and everything else. I took care of a lot of people that had asbestos-related consequences like mesotheliomas and um, lung cancers. And at the time, nobody really knew like you know they're using it in insulation, as you guys know, but they, nobody knew all the different consequences of what would happen with it, right? And then later we found out about that. So, I've lived long enough to realize that, like, I don't necessarily poo-poo any possible worry that people have that something could have a side effect, like a COVID vaccine or or anything. Like, I mean, you name it, right? You could, hell, half the food we eat is God knows what's in it. So the reality is, I don't really like completely deny that those things can happen. On the other hand like can it material how do you materially live at that moment do you materially live and like at that moment are you going to like move because you think that like your city is toxic or are you not going to and if not like how are you going to compensate so actually turning like all of these pieces of knowledge into some sort of like real world actionable thing varies dramatically from person to person because really like if you've seen people that are health nuts, yeah. reverse osmosis filter that's the only way yeah. to I've got, a, I've got a, I've got an RO in my house. Um, I've got like a carbon block, a, uh, a filter and a, like, what do you call an RO system all under my sink as we speak. So yeah. Does I that see take you
1: out, Sophie? Uh,
0: I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, I mainly did it because like, just because the city water we have is kind of hard water and it, uh, it doesn't taste very good. So I sort of did it more for the, just the quality of the taste of the water. But I, I didn't pay too close attention to what exactly it filters out in terms of toxins. It does filter some toxins out, but I'm not sure what. I haven't paid attention. But yeah, not too worried about it. Like, well, first of all, we've already been exposed to enough fluoride or whatever in various water systems that it. Like, if, you know, I'm not sure if it matters anymore. But like, um, but, I, you know, when people worry about these things, though, in general, the American lifespan has increased for the past hundred years to where I think it topped out at 77 or so average before the COVID thing. So on the one hand, you could worry about all these things, but the the reality is like the average lifespan actually went up over the aggregate. So if fluoride and every other thing people are worried about was a big deal, well, I mean, we wouldn't have had such a high lifespan um, over time. And American lifespan is actually shorter than European lifespans for a reason. And that obvious reason is genetic makeup of people in America is different.
1: Yeah, walking. I avoid um, on fluoride because I want to walking. And I think, yeah. uh, is the reason. Walking's walking's
0: yeah. good. Yeah, for sure.
2: They walk everywhere. We drive like it's cause Americans sit all the time. And I try. Yeah. To, I I walk two hours a day. You know, I I definitely believe that's kept me out of the out of the doctor's office. No, it's, re- it's just, really good. Just walking. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. You know? I had an asian doctor told me one time those are pumps at the bottom of your feet yep that's correct you they,
3: did they, not they, they just are. say Amer- americans are genetically inferior on a recorded space
0: uh no it, this is inferior well in terms of lifespan it's absolutely true yeah no question about it recorded wait, well. wait, how do you yeah, wait how
3: do you know that's you nature walk. how do you know that's nature
0: um well first off like first of all native american populations which constitute a substantial portion of like the hispanic mexican population.
4: I don't wait. Actually, I have some it. of the lowest
0: lifespans. So hold okay. up. Okay. I don't they know this guy,
3: big, by the way.
0: Hold up, Recorded on. space. I, I, what I do all day is watch people die. So like I know about this. So the, 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 if you why, sort of why like, did they die? Oh my god. Zinn, hold up a second. Just one second. So, genetics. Yeah, nature versus nurture. All of that is true. All of that is obvious. Like, let's not like rehash all of that. Um, The 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 bottom line is that like genetically, there are definitely some civilizations that just on average live longer than others. So, some of the shortest lifespan population um, indigenous populations are going to be Central American. Um, individuals. And you see a very high level, if they eat normal American diet, what we consider like, you know, the shit we eat, like hamburgers and whatever, they get very high obesity rates and die very early. Mm, You don't see very many Native American um, or sort of like high Native American genetic content, Hispanic populations you don't see very many live to like the 70 plus range because there's a very high amount of central obesity, diabetes and other factors, coronary disease. So they they get decimated by strokes and everything else. And um um and so yeah there could be all sorts of multifactor reason maybe if they did their diet perfectly and everything maybe they'd live longer but here's the thing if a a japanese person eating absolute junk food will live longer than a a, the same exact person eating the same amount of junk food so the the thing is like there are definitely groups like northern europeans uh, who on average live longer and um the the and like have less specific types of diseases that that shorten lifespan. Take for example the Black population in America, which is like Western African, you know, like people that were been here for hundreds of years, brought over via, via slave trade and whatever. Um, there's groups there that like in the black population, we deal with this a lot in heart failure, you're like 20 times more likely to get heart failure as a black American than a white American eating similar food. So there, and on the other hand, white people, you're much more likely to get cystic fibrosis than a black person, right? And a black person is much more likely to get sickle cell anemia.
3: Wait, what is cystic fibrosis?
0: It's a disease that it's a genetic abnormality of the CFTR gene, which gives you lung disease and, uh, and, uh, pancreatitis disease early in life. So my, I don't even my know point, what
3: a pancreas is, so I definitely my, don't have my
0: my my point is not to like one. make make specific like commentary. like the my point is that if you look at average age, um which is like Unfedible, sort of like referring to in terms of uh, like you don't know what a pancreas is? No. I've
3: never like sat and thought to myself, like, I want to know what a pancreas is. It's sitting next to your,
0: it's sitting next to your bowel. (laughs) There's ducts that lead from your pancreas and your gallbladder into your bowel. Your, your bile comes from your, your gallbladder and area uh, and your liver. And then your pancreas creates digestive enzymes so that you can digest things like meat and starches and whatnot. So. Amylase basically is an enzyme that comes from pancreas that digests um, uh, things like bread, carbohydrates, sugars, and um, lipase digests meat.
3: Oh, so much. wait, then anyway. I probably have a fucked up. Some there's something, there's something not right with carbs <laughs> in me. Like I can't eat if I eat bread or pasta, I get mm-hmm. fat so fucking fast. And I don't want to hear the calorie thing. Okay, it's not well, normal. Yeah, bread. And pasta something's pasta wrong makes with you, me
0: makes you blow quickly because you retain a lot of water with it so there is an element of that um yeah but why does out- no one
3: else around me everyone else can eat like a sandwich if i eat literally yeah, ha- just two pieces of bread
0: same thing same thing happens to me it's just like bread expands in your bowel so you, you do get that immediate
2: you're not supposed to we, we should not be eating gluten and
0: you know and car yeah and there's also people yeah, gluten's actually, very bad there's people with celiac sprue that have actual gluten sensitivity that's a slightly different thing Zin, yeah. do you exercise at all
4: huh? um uh
3: well i usually like trade it's like if i'm eating if i'm eating things i want to eat then i'll exercise and if okay. i so don't want to exercise then i don't eat
5: irregular but do, do you have like high instances of metabolic syndrome in your
0: family like uh,
3: everyone in my family is fucking skinny okay tall and skinny and sure. i'm short so- and chubby
0: the answer to
5: that's see. probably no. Yeah. yeah. No. Pro- probably not yeah. insulin resistance. So yeah, it probably is what Seffie's talking about with water retention. So. Wait,
3: my dad's side was fat. Sorry. I didn't oh. know my dad's side. My yeah, my dad my grandpa had diabetes.
5: Yeah. Might might want to do some uh some intermittent fasting there and throw in uh Throwing carbohydrates
0: only to, early. To, no, yeah. I feel Unbutables, sick
3: when I'm not on keto. There's something to to wrong Unbutables with the point, heart. which
0: is like, what he was asking, is like, okay, is any particular thing like fluoride or something really bad for you? The the thing, the reason, the reason I don't worry about these things too much is I just look at the aggregate civilization. I go, wait a minute, like I could try to hide from all of those things. Every carcinogen in the universe, I could try to be like a health nut, do exercise every day. Like, look at every single ingredient that goes into my body at every given moment and spend a lot of time on that. There's people that do that, right? They love that kind of shit. But I ask myself this, is like, you know, like, am I going to be sure that if I do all of those things, I'm not going to get X, Y, and Z cancer and drop dead from something else? And the answer is no. Is it worth my time to worry about it that much? And the answer is basically no. If I just have a reasonable weight, I don't do any really bad habits, and I just sort of like, you know, stay active, do my work, whatever. You know, that's about as good as it gets for me. I'm not going to obsess about it, right? It's like, but what, but, but if you like start to dig in deep, you're like, oh, wait a minute, like fluoride could be bad, and this could be bad, and that could be bad. I got news for you like, in the modern world, we got plastic and shit all over us and all over our bodies, or whatever. Like, the reality is, you're never going to like cleanse yourself of all that shit. And shit that yeah, just living in. The-
2: so just living in the city's bad yeah just being around cards yeah is bad. um let me ask you a question one, one second pete one second before
1: we t- move on i just wanted to touch oh. on the uh, fluoride thing i don't um i'm dream maxing i believe dreams are the download you get from the uh the creator google was uh revealed to the dude who invented it through a dream, and i think fluoride and interesting what you said uh pay about cannabis um, bit of an anecdotal thing, I smoked it for a while, and I don't remember any time I dreamed. And what you're saying, Sefi, with um, people who took uh, drugs actually didn't go into REM sleep at all, it's interesting from my anecdotal experience that when I did stop cannabis, and it's been a couple of years now, I've noticed the dreams I've been getting are just so much more vivid. And I don't know the science in relation to dreams and how they affect your reality but i definitely believe that there's something special and with fluoride calcifying your pineal gland which is responsible for melatonin which helps you sleep it makes sense that maybe for me i'm just trying to get as much dreams as i can
0: to give me an I, idea. I don't know like i look at a lot of mris of a lot of heads Pretty a lot of it, yeah. with, i don't see a lot of people with calcified just go do mushrooms, blood, so my friend. i'm not too worried about it
2: I would say, I would say, if you're wanting to live in an altered state of consciousness, eating a bag of uh, mushrooms would help you out a lot quicker. Except for, let me ask you a question: What is your experience with with naturopathic doctors, NDS, instead of medical doctors? You're, or, you're talking about. Do you have you're about ODs, of uh, doctor, of uh, No nature. Uh, well, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a naturopathic doctor named Doctor Glidden. Um. You know, ND and as a Nancy dot nature. Oh, I,
0: it's a licensed doctoral. I, I mean, it's a it's a I license no from idea. many states. I, okay, not, yeah, but I'm not sure thing? now. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, i mean like there's not the way I take a, the way I think of like natural anything is. There's a lot of things that are natural that are really bad for you. So the thing is like, it's not automatic. This something's organic or natural, it's good for you. That's not the case. Um, arsenic is natural it's not particularly great for you for example cyanide's natural it's not particularly great for you either so there's a lot of things that are in the environment that you know you could have poison your food yeah, but, that isn't that do, great do you
2: agree do you agree that the production of oxycontins and fentanyl for medical purposes is worth how many
0: lives have been destroyed by pharmaceutical um, um yeah i have a whole lecture on that subject you know, actually it's probably not worth going into at the moment
2: like what's what's better a fifth of Jack daniels or a prescription like that's the question i have is like where do you draw the line like what have the guys been better with a um like sleep i don't like there's been so much damage done to the world through pharmaceutical
0: pills um well, uh, it was. It wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't big pharma that wanted. It wasn't big pharma that wanted to uh, give everyone opiates. That's not how that happened. I, I was there. What happened was is that there was kind of like liberals who wanted to sort of liberalize pain medications, and told doctors back in the late '90s that you had to give more pain meds because you have to make sure nobody's in pain. And we and so if you didn't, then the te- the medical boards of your various states would basically sanction you, um, and basically like so this was not. The the pharmaceutical companies came in after the fact in the sense that they obliged producing all these things as people wanted them, and the government mandated that doctors give them. So it was like a weird, like, uh, the fifth vital sign for pain like idea came late 90s. Um, I remember I was a student at the time thinking, this doesn't sound like a great plan. Um, it's probably not right, but I'm not really sure. And they'd, like, they'd basically point to data that showed that, hey, look, if you use pain meds for pain appropriately, then you didn't see very much addiction. It turns out that there's no way that could be true because like, you know, those studies were probably just too short to recognize the consequences. I thought it was kind of iffy to me and I've never given very much pain medications and whatnot outside of like, you know, some intensive care setting myself. And, And it turned out that like there was an escalating drug problem over the past 20 years ending in the last several years of extreme DEA sanctions against like really reducing the amount of prescriptions going out, making it harder to prescribe these things. Um, I think like attacking pharma Ford is kind of like attacking, I don't know, like, like I don't know, like the, the, the sun, because your house doesn't have good air conditioning or something. It's like, it's not the proof.
2: Yeah, but it, yeah, I understand. So, but there's no, the know, people want to be drugs. some responsibility. The people
0: wanted drugs and, and those drugs people were mandated drugs. by the government and they made them. That's what happened. So when 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 the, the well, state I mean, so when the state of uh, I forget which state it was now, but when there was a state that actually sued like one of the pharma companies, I'm like Jesus Christ. Well, who should be sued is the state itself. They're the ones that actually caused this to happen in the first place. I was there. Like this is this is what happened. Right. And so like it's funny how like yeah. people want to pin the tail on some boogeyman, but really like I don't know. Like do you, like if a gun crime happens, do you blame the weapon manufacturer? Do you blame the person, the shooter? Do you blame society? No. Like. It all is a big no, clusterfuck, But right? the person. But, like, it's, it's, like, it's a big smorgasbord clusterfuck. It's hard to know who to blame, but it's a, it's a mixed problem. Um, and drug, yeah. the drug thing was basically that in a nutshell. It was, like, it was a Moloch phenomenon. It was, like, I don't know. It was, like, unfettered chaos causing it to happen. <laughs> like, and, then, and then, of course, they overreact. So now, if you have cancer, like, you know, you, you've got to have some pain meds for your, your pancreatic cancer or whatever. Um it's really, really painful and you want pain meds. Now a doc has to write a prescription literally every month with a new signature, otherwise you can't get it. So on the one hand, like the pendulum swings the other way around, gets too aggressive, and now you can't get your normal shit that you want for your pain for you know dying or whatever. It's more complicated. So yeah, it becomes like an interesting problem where it's like if you don't give enough, you have one set of problems. If you don't give enough, I mean if you give too much, you have another set of problems. That's really what happened. Um yeah, and it's, and it's a spectrum. Yeah,
2: went too went too far. Along yeah, how do you like? Yeah.
0: How do you like? Remember prohibition, right? Like that didn't go well. Um, and then, like, but on the other hand, like, if you look at Russia and how many people die of alcoholism there, it's just obscene. So, like, you know, you can take it. Human beings are really bad at taking things to either extreme. You yeah.
1: know, Pete mentioned yeah, I, uh, mushrooms. mushrooms. Sefi, I was curious to know: have you had any studies mushrooms to do with? psilocybin lion's mane turkey tail any any type of these uh i've seen a
0: little bit of i've seen a little bit of the buzz going around as far as like you know therapeutic effects of some of these for certain types of conditions like if you have ptsd or maybe you have like certain anxiety disorders um i've seen people use them to sort of like just reset their mind kind of idea and you know maybe like you know, Steve Jobs is famous for saying like the reason why like uh, the Steve Jobs, I mean, sorry, the the reason why, um, what's his name? Microsoft CEO Bill Gates acts the way he does and the way Steve Jobs acts differently. He's famous for saying, oh, it's because um, Bill Gates never used any LSD. So he acts like this, <laughs> like, you know, he's not creative. Um, now, you know, people say that stuff and people try to use them as performance enhancing and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it depends on which camp you fall in. I think there's probably going to end up being. Some therapeutic benefits from the mind-altering substances is my intuition. Um, exactly who it's going to benefit and for what conditions I think is much less clear. So I don't tell people to go ahead and oh yeah, go ahead and start doing shrooms and whatever, you'll probably be fine. I don't really know that's the end, the case. If you know, people do whatever they want to do. I'm kind of a libertarian at heart anyway. If people want to do whatever they want to do. It's your business, but don't come to me when you're dying and say, it, you know we didn't tell you so something could happen. So these, all these things have risks, they have risks to your sanity. Um, if you take some of these things and you quite literally go insane, uh, meaning it reveals schizophrenia, like an LSD, for example, um, and unmasks that, then you're going to be really unhappy with it. If you feel better afterwards and you do great, of course, you'll have to tell good stories about it, but like which patients and which people are going to be better off with these exposures, that's, what's less clear, but there are studies going on now. Um, And people are taking those things a bit more seriously as far as mainstream medicine than they did before. Um, So yeah, what happened was like LSD, what happened was back in the day, um, it came out and then what happened was it got vilified fairly early by the, at the time, political right, who was like, who are basically like drugs are bad. This is like 60s, 70s and um could there have been a lot more studies on lsd and its benefits to psychiatric patients and whatnot by now sure i probably so had there not been such a like a societal backlash against it so i'm i'm kind of neutral when it comes to those things but, but, but like maybe they're useful maybe they aren't I, I i keep an open mind on it zen you were going to say something
4: yeah when you
3: cut the brain dorsally it looks exactly like the eye of horus and the eye of Horus, in, and you also see that symbology, also in the Freemasons, and on the dollar bill, and on the all-seeing eye. God's do you watching think they, you. you think God's, they got wa- that. God's watching you. Uh, calcify your pineal glands, neuromodulating your sleep patterns mm. with fluoride, and he and he's judging and you can't even hear his voice because what what does the pineal gland control
4: what does it control Sefi, what does it control sleep dreaming oh you can't even talk to god all right that's the way why to say
1: you go to calcified pineal gland bro and Unfu- you, un-
3: unfathomable over you're there pineal was, gland is so powerful
0: right <laughs> over there is going to be like He's gonna be like moving because he's gonna make sure there's no fu- like fluoride in his neighborhood.
1: He's I had a dream day.
0: about BSV. Yeah, you're a BSV fan. Yeah,
6: I, I,
2: you know what? I wanted to break. I wanted to put that on you because BSVers are insane, uh, and I love them to death. And I own a little BSV, but they are absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it is like the most symbolic. They would drink Kool Aid if Craig Wright poured it in a cup with.
0: You know, a death <laughs> I had it's a combo so about unfuddle about this in the past, Pete. You might have missed. It. Like, uh, I, I kind of gave him that whole spiel already.
2: <laughs> like, you guys are literally living in Stockholm syndrome. Like, you are protecting the abuse.
4: I would love to be in a call no.
3: no
1: I don't believe. Uh, I don't care about Craig Wright. I just like uh, unlimited block sizes on the UTXO proof work
2: chain. The unlimited block, none of the, none of that. Listen, Bitcoin will have to increase their block size. Uh, but that's really just to be able to be quantum computing resistant. So
1: yeah, that's all I care eventually about. Eventually, right? we'll have to have. I don't to... care about Craig Wright. Fuck. Well,
2: I understand, but Craig Wright, your Craig Wright is the.
1: I am Craig, I Craig Wright. I am the Craig Wright, right Wright of now. my life. Sword in a dream.
4: Wait, are you talking okay. about the guy who's Satoshi? I do Yeah. Oh well, yeah, There's, there's big no big way he is. he is. He's the too
0: theory. ugly. And he is the... no. Yeah. Unfetible, sure, but
3: the guy who Certain. made Bitcoin's hot or it's a woman, it's a hot woman. These I bet. Suits
1: are on fucking point.
3: When's the last time and a hot woman head. made something? It's been a minute. We've had them, we've had them, we've had them for sure. We really somewhere. have, but
2: you make you make babies. Uh, Wi
3: Fi, the, the idea for Wi Fi, she was super hot, she's hot fire, but the, it's been a minute. Since her, all
7: right.
3: Have we had any others since Pretty her?
0: Cool. Uh, I'm not remembering for sure. Who was the last great? Who was the
2: last great female artist to produce a hit song?
4: Me. Wait. What? What Zen. do you classify as a hit?
2: <laughs> Ra- radio. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I produce Ra- songs. As, yeah.
2: You've been on the radio.
3: Yeah. As a pr- yeah. Nice. Yeah, me, bitch. is Taylor me. Swift or whatever like Pretty
0: the highest cute. income like entertainer of all time or some shit? Yeah, no, but like
3: she doesn't she produce.
4: Great. He said produce,
3: right?
2: Oh, that's what. Wait, wait till she puts on that Bitcoin. Wait till she puts on that BSV T-shirt. You think? You think at a concert on fucking? <laughs> yeah, you
1: see Jack Dorsey's T-shirt.
0: He's gonna have a BSV t- T-shirt and, BSV and laser t-shirt. eyes or some shit. Nope.
2: She's like, oh. Is this the right Bitcoin, Travis? (laughs) (laughs) I got to get the right Bitcoin T-shirt on, Travis. (laughs) Do I have it right? (laughs)
1: BSV. You own BSV. (laughs) What you smoking, bro?
2: I have to own BSV because it's part of the big... I have to buy it as insurance. Just, it's a necessary
1: buy. No, you have to buy it because it's the only chain that has unlimited block sizes. That's proof of work.
2: B- bsv is i have to own bitcoin cash i have to own doge i have to own everything in the bs btc
1: atmosphere
0: anything proof of work doge, is, interesting.
1: doge is cool how's that dogenals yeah. doing for you seppy where's my where's my flowers bro
2: i do have dogenals but i yeah basically if it's proof i
0: didn't of i work, didn't get any dogenals did they go up in like to infinity or something or what happened
2: not infinity no i mean you could <laughs> Could have got a got a nice five or seven X.
0: Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, doggy lot.
2: The yeah, ordinals is what almost. the ordinals is what cashed in.
0: I tend to right curve all that shit. Like I d I don't get into those things like I should. Um I overthink it and I just don't like pay attention too much to them.
2: Yeah, but my positions are very small. And when I mean very small, I mean like
0: Yeah, like play
2: money. Small. Play like money. a couple like $500 or $400, like super, super, super small, just because I'm going to hold on to it for 10 years. I don't I'm not looking for the five X. I'm looking for the 5000, you know, so I don't care if it doesn't hit. It doesn't hit. Yo, Pete, how much
1: BSV do you own? Very small. But give me give me a number very small if, if, if you don't mind.
2: I own more than 10 and less than 20.
1: BSV. It's a good bag. Reasonable bag. Yeah, I mean, it's not...
2: i may a very, like... I had to learn the hard way with trading. And let me tell you a little story. It'll be quick. When I was in high school, they put me in special education classes. And I don't know why. I have behavior issues. But my special education teacher taught us stocks. And I was paper trading stocks from 10th grade to 12th grade in high school. So like while everyone else is learning geometry and shit, I'm in there picking fucking stocks with my math teacher because they, they shoved me off into this fucking closet class because I had a lot, you know, I was part of that whole ADDHD fucking generation where they put me on Ritalin and I I told them I do I rejected all the pills they put me on, basically. But I've been around trading for a while, but um the one thing I I learned uh, is don't trade. You know, you, you keep your positions emotionally manageable. You know, like I can go to bed every night and I don't care about BSV. The moment I start losing sleep about an asset, I trim my position size. Seems reasonable, and that's just the way I. Because you can't, you, you you can't you can't do that to yourself. You're not gonna you're not gonna catch every winner, and you're not going to have the biggest size that you want. What if you put a huge size into like Hex? Remember Hex? That was a that was a blast off crypto. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, it was a scam. But a lot of people got million became millionaires on that. You know? Yeah. So that's something like I would have put a five hundred dollars into and then been like, well, I don't really care. And then it gets to a substantial amount of size, and I switch it over to Bitcoin. The funny thing about but, Hex is
0: it's it's running again. It's hilarious. <laughs> so.
6: you know, it's
5: ridiculous. Hex is just they'll as big of a cult as down. Luna Classic is.
0: It's ridiculous. It's, it's pure oh, Scientology. Yeah. The Hexians are...
2: Yeah, but... Hex, the one thing about Hex, I still have Hex. I have Hex state for 15 years. Not much Hex, but I have Hex, and it's probably going to be a loser. But the reality is... It's still paying every day. You never still you dropping. never
0: know, actually, with Hex, you know, with all the lore <laughs> behind it, like, it's got meme energy, sort of, and like, it's been, people have been buying it again this season, so it's very funny. Like, it's going up. Um, so, What what happens if Richard Hart wins
2: this? What happens if Richard Hart wins the court case?
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna win any court case, but, but the thing is, the, um, well, whether well, he does or not, it's like, gonna, it's just a funny sort of, like, you know i like I, I i was thinking to myself i should buy some hex at the very bottom because it's so insane i should get some and i didn't and it's like what 10x from there or something already <laughs> something silly yeah
2: yeah so like i bought i bought i bought like 150 dollars worth of hex at like four like uh fourth of a penny or fifth of a penny and i'm like okay whatever like who cares i'm never going to miss that 150 dollars but if that but if that if if that runs back up towards all-time highs man that's like 18k yeah
0: this is like one of those hex is one of those things it's like it's like the Elon Musk attitude which is like sometimes the most entertaining outcome is the actual one that happens and like hex is the the entertainment play at this point with Richard Hart and his shenanigans and the whole court thing it's just one of those fun little it's just fun little gamble right that's what it is
2: yeah you just kind of look for all these little you know look for all these little spots with small amounts of money. And then when you have large amounts of money, you look for more, the least riskier. Like I'm still a real estate investor. I still believe, I, I true heart, wholeheartedly believe that everyone should own four rental properties and then invest in the
0: stock market. Mm, So you're pretty pretty aggressive with the rental properties, huh? I just don't like managing them. My dad used to do that, but the thing is Yeah, yeah, it's it's a full time fucking job. It's It's a it's a job. Well, yeah,
2: I have a, a manager I mean, you can hire a management company. They they get into your pockets, but you know, if, as long as the property's paying for itself, there should be no. What is it? Yeah, but that cash money. flow is
5: a little bit hard to come by these days. So I I work in the mortgage industry, and and my team specializes actually in in investments. Um, uh, across the board too. So, I mean, commercial properties, short-term well, rentals. Um, do Drew, Drew? How are the how are I the people
0: doing that have like rental properties these days? Is there a lot of foreclosures or anything going on? Well,
5: well, it depends. the The only people that are really doing well right now are people who uh, who are flipping, and they're usually flipping with hard money, which is something else that we do as well. My uh, my branch manager here has a um, a hard money uh, lending company with uh-huh. probably about thirty or forty million in in, in equity to lend out. Um, and a lot of our, what what does that
0: mean? Like, what does it mean to be, uh, lending hard hard, hard money, hard money. Okay. So, so you find, no you find, you find a property, um,
5: let's say for 50 grand, but after some cosmetic renovation and, 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 you know, maybe a couple of minor structural things, or maybe the addition of one bedroom, you think that that property could appraise for $350,000, right? um but you don't have the money or you'd rather not use your own money for uh for renovations you you get hard money so you put maybe on average 10 percent down on the 50 what, it, what does property. it
0: mean for it to be hard money though like what does that like
5: what it, that term it doesn't in? comply with all of the like cfpb regulations um ficra attila respa regulations uh that you have around residential lending it's it's a guy or a company with with an ass load of money, and they're giving you a one year mortgage that balloons after 12 months at a very high interest rate, but they're covering your entire renovation budget, right? So you don't you don't have many protections, but you know you get the money fast. So so all the cash offers that people keep talking about, yo, I got outbid by a cash offer. Yeah, that's fucking hard money. They get you the loan within a week. You buy the house. You do your renovations. And then you cash out of it, or you sell the property. So, it's it's that's that's essentially what it is. It's still a mortgage, but it's they fund
2: they fund the deal. They fund the deal. They don't fund the person, and they can't lend to people. They have to lend to corporations. No, they can lend
5: to people, but it has it has to be business use. So it has to be it has to be an investment property. Yeah, you're not owner occupied. You're not living in this thing. Yeah. That's right. It can't be owner Yeah, yeah. It can't be. I've used
2: them before. I've I've had more than one hard money yeah. So hard money deal. So,
5: uh, it's
2: the only way you can expand. It, it, it the is only way that the you
5: nice can thing about it is it's it's, it's, it's it's fast and it covers your renovation budget, right? So if you know if if you don't have the money out of pocket, or even if you do and you you'd rather not risk it, which really is is the wise decision, you get a hard money loan. It covers your do renovation you, like, cost, and as long as the the resulting uh, LTC. Or uh, ARV is is profitable,
0: then then you're good. You're to like go. when, frank- when you see when you lend to people that want to do something like that, um, like what are the characteristics that are being looked for there? You're you're talking about like okay, this person prefer like, for the money them to have experience lateral.
5: You'd pre- yeah yeah so you'd yeah. Prefer what experience them to have, have experience. I mean, you're obviously going to check credit because you need some way to refinance them out of the hard money loan, whether that's commercial or you're doing a debt service coverage ratio. Um, Mm -hmm. So they have to be, you know, have to be able to get out of it. And then the property Property. has to has to uh, appraise for for what they anticipate. Right. So you have to have a good look at the property and and an understanding of their budget and what they're going to do so that you can ensure that the ARV is going to be high enough for them to not owe any money whenever they do a, a rate and term or a cash out refi or sell the
0: property afterwards. So it's, 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 you know, so wh- like, if the- I, so if you, if you find a property, it's so like, okay, this, this is a house and it looks like it's interesting and you want to sort of build this thing up. You're going to just, you need to find what, like um an under sort of like upgraded house in a market where a lot of the other houses in the region are, been upgraded with, you know, new kitchens and garage, whatever it is, and then you are going to then, um, well, you want to put you very specific. I'll give you the Mm -hmm. parameters, real
2: quick, uh, as a real estate investor, you want three things. One, you want the house to be underneath 2000 square feet. Uh, the second thing is you want to stay in the first time home buyer's market. The third thing is you don't want to be more than 20 minutes outside of a major metropolitan city. You don't want to be in a double yellow line. You know what? You're not you're not in the business of flipping mansions. Yeah,
5: you're, yeah, in, the yeah. So, of, you're so, in the business of so you're in the business of flipping. It's, it's variable. A lot of those are really good yeah. points, but like we've had we've had people in Florida with oh, I'm sure with you have. like uh, well, like we we had a guy who flipped a uh, uh, a moderately sized property, maybe about uh, three quarters of a million dollars, and he, he turned it into a uh, God. I shouldn't be saying this shit on the internet. He turned it into uh, um, it's, it's, it's not, not really a hobby farm, but, but it, they, they do like, they, they have like, like hobby horses there, right. Uh, they, they, they ranch horses. So, I mean, the property, the resulting value of the property was like two and a half million dollars, right. So not like a typical single family, uh, resident. Um, so it's, it's got multiple uses. It's, it's a, it's a farm. Um, he uses it as a short-term rental bed and breakfast uh, like like you know there there are different scenarios that, that you can play with with that but in general yeah. pete's pete's right and that the majority of it is you see um you know single-family residences uh that are you gotta have a driveway like... updated or or from sheriff sales yeah. or are uh you know from from foreclosures and, and people are flipping those and then renting them out to you know
2: um, i was in that I, I did that for uh i did that business not as a lender but as the, the investor and also the agent for uh prior to what we're experiencing right now
5: we should talk shop actually because you know things things yeah, might be swinging I, I guess back around yeah it doesn't
2: Give me an option, but I'll follow you, yeah, I don't mind like connected um i just I just truly believe that most people will be able to retire better with a cash flowing real estate asset than five hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand in a
5: stock portfolio. i mean i'm I'm uh, inclined to agree so. um the only so. problem is it is an ass load of work right so i I have an investment property, yeah, but it is, it, but if you're someone like me who's um working multiple gigs um and you don't have that much experience with home ownership i mean it's absolutely fucking brutal right like and it can it can really pile on you, unless you're doing landlord specialty this, so
2: this is why you if you get into being a rental you should buy
5: four units at one time yeah so i, I because a, then I duplex can, but yeah i mean four units are hard fine. to come by yeah four
2: units are the, but you should go big like, even like Rand Cardone, I was in a space with him. And, I was it, talking and the reason to him, oh, go big is why? Because,
0: like, the time it takes to sort out all the details, there's yeah.
2: less risk. There's
0: less risk, but no, that. But there's the work you put flow, in is so the same for four as it is for one, almost in some way. But, same
2: door knobs, yeah. same paint, same Yeah, but you also floor. have better
5: cash flow. Generally, when you have more units, you have, less risk. you have less appreciation. But you, you know that's the trade-off, right? So think about it. Uh, you don't care think about, about, about it. Real like, estate investors don't care about appreciation. Right. Well, it depends. Depends on the investor, right? So some more small-time investors will go for single-family homes in, a, in an area with high appreciation. Think of it like like you know stocks you have you have high dividend stocks that don't have a lot of um, um you know explosive growth I could give like whole... like oil companies versus you know buying apple stock that's given you no, no... – yeah if you want to
2: speculate in low tier neighborhoods for the revival of them then,
5: then that's a different i mean business. yeah that's yeah, that's what that's everyone's a... kind of looking for but but i mean there are people who are buying you know duplexes and and quadruplexes and and you know nice area is not looking yeah. for a lot of appreciation. Um
2: uh, yeah, so like right now I'm looking at the next move for me is to try to find something like above 30 units. Um it's it just it doesn't make sense to keep that's that's <laughs> buying that's big smaller one, so um yeah like above thirty. So you can just go right into you know now I got forty thousand a month coming in, you know, let's say twelve fifty each door. And it's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to pay the property management company 5,000 a month, probably to manage those people. And then, you know, just have to figure out the monthly payment, but it's, a, but it's, it's easier trying to find 10 buildings with four doors each. I can't, it's like what the doctor said, like, you know, it's just all underneath one roof. It's easier to,
5: just yeah, easier to manage. Yeah. I mean, that's always the way you want to start out too, but, but we, we work with a lot of people who have uh, short term rentals. And uh, I mean, that's that's a more volatile market. I mean, I guess you, you that's a different kind of look at that as like yeah. like the crypto version of real estate investing. Right. Yeah, Airbnbs are crypto. So, yeah. um,
2: but I could give a whole speech on this. And I and I'm an advocate for real estate investing for people, because once you get your first rental check and you realize you just you, you can pay your car payment or something and you didn't have to go to work for it. It becomes a business, and owning crypto is—I mean, trading is a business, but owning Bitcoin is not a business.
5: Yeah, to to give a fair warning though, there are a couple yeah. things that you you kind of have to watch out for. I, I mean, I think I think the American economy is dynamic enough that it's not the greatest concern, but there is a bit of a, a population growth deficit. The other thing to look at is you know institutional investment and. In, residential real estate. Uh, there's a ton of that going on and they're proposing a bill to ban that, but things like that aren't really going to matter. They're going to start working through shell companies, you know, is it cap- Oh yeah, the 12 yeah, cap- single family. You can only own 12 right? single family homes. So, you know, if-
2: who cares about that? Don't invest in single family houses. Don't don't buy yeah, single but, family. Yeah, but houses.
5: The, the problem the problem that you have to consider is is rental amounts, right? So when you have if like hypothetically, let's say it's 2035 or 2040, and you have a, a number of entities like Blackstone that own, you know, maybe 35 to 40 percent of the rental market or, or residential properties. And they control rents and they're intentionally keeping um, demand high by by holding properties empty and not running them out. Um, by virtue of their volume, they can completely knock you out of the fucking space by having rents just under your target rent to cash flow. Right. So that's the other thing to consider. I mean, I, I think in general, real estate is probably the safest safest investment you can make if you're not buying a total shit box and you have no idea what you're doing. Um, but I, there are definitely some, some unprecedented hurdles coming down the road here in the next few decades uh, in the form of, of those two things. So we have to see what the replacement rate looks like and we have to see how regulators handle uh, these, these huge
0: hedge, hedge funds and investment asset management firms purchasing residential properties then when my wife is next urging me to like buy residential pro or any kind of like property i'm going to be like um first off i don't really want to do all that work the second thing is um if you do then yeah there is the longer term effect of exactly what you're describing so it just depends on the you, it is possible to get it wrong in other words it's not a guarantee that just because you do it like everything will be fine.
2: Well, so someone, someone with like you, someone like you who has a, a very large bankroll, you know, you could go into yeah, you could go much bigger. Fucking, you could go so big, where you know you got five hundred units. Yeah, but and, you know now you're, but you know I agree. It's, not, it's not. Listen, real estate investing is like, is like it, there's certain people like Grant Cardone. If you listen to Grant Cardone, I, I,
0: I could I could definitely you know, do that kind of thing. I just it's not. For some yeah. reason, it's just never been in my kind of like.
2: Now, now your portfolio is worth five billion dollars, and you only make four percent on five billion. Mm-hmm. You know that's the thing is about real estate is you just get you get so much leverage.
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, you get so it's, much leverage. It's a type of leverage trading almost, which is what I like about it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if you yeah. can, if you can execute the hard money plan where you're putting ten percent down on the cost of the property and having renovations covered even if you're just breaking even on the ARB. I mean, you're you're at like 5 to 10% out of pocket on the investment, capitalizing on on 90% of that value over over a 15-year period. I mean, that's fucking huge, right? So so if you want to look at it as a set it and forget it, you know, maybe that's not the way, but if you want to look at it as as one of the best investments you could have over the next 15 to 20 years because of that then then it's it's you know go for it but but as far as just holding the property and not renting it eh, you're not you're not getting a return on investment uh, that that we're talking about um
0: yeah you really have to you have to rent it out otherwise it's just sitting there the between property taxes going up and everything else it just becomes like uh the uh, other th- it's no, probably not it look, the other thing i, forgot I don't think to it's mention for, I was, is,
5: is the the commercial space right so there are tons of commercial businesses. I don't know what metro areas you guys live in, but the ones that 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 I'm primarily working in have a fuck ton of empty commercial space. Um, and a lot of that's not getting repurposed uh, correctly, and a lot of it won't be, right? So uh, one of the things we've postulated is the idea that some of it might be converted into residential space. So, I mean, that's another thing to look at here, too. You know, can you buy commercial space and convert it? And how is that going to dilute the rental market? Um, I mean, I mean ultimately, though, long term, I think the U.S. economy, again, is pretty dynamic because it's, it's like the purest model of demand on Earth. Things tend to sort themselves out a little bit.
2: But they're going to have to sell those as condos, right? So once they yeah. build those buildings, they're going to have to sell those as condos. And that's all. Nothing's going to be converted to non-luxury. Like at the end of the day, nobody should be investing in grade A real estate unless you have grade A real estate type of money. You know, like if you if you turn an office building into apartments in downtown Dallas, yeah. those aren't going to be those yeah, aren't going to be yeah. fifteen hundred dollar a month rents.
5: No, no, they're they're not. You know? but- but you, you, yeah, I mean, you do have to be a little bit dynamic with all of this. Like the ideas that we're talking about, you know, you, you can't just pick a property like like, you know, the investment. I'll give you, I'll give you a
2: shortcut, Drew. You can use this with sure. your uh, I, I don't know if you I don't know who's speaking. Who's who's the one speaking? Drew. Drew. OK, guys- so Drew, So here's a shortcut, man. Go on Google Maps and find out where they put Chick-fil-A's and Starbucks. If there's a Chick-fil-A and a Starbucks, you can buy an apartment building within 20 miles of it. Nice. There you
5: go. Because it's basically the
2: easiest way to follow (laughs) – it's easiest way to follow is the higher-end retail um, food because they have discretionary income. Because you're you're not putting Starbucks in the middle of a low income neighborhood.
5: There's no right. Yeah, you see a so Popeyes I, better run unless you're going section. Yeah, if you right? if so. you
2: only see Popeyes and KFCs and and uh, you know
0: Wendy's. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good metric. Yeah, Chick fil A, Starbucks. That's going to be a great because they've already done all the analytics. too as done far as Like they they already know what the commercial traffic is. They know what the like. They got ten year
2: projections.
0: The discretionary you know spending capabilities yeah. of those customers are yeah for sure. If yeah, you see so, a chart, so the- if
2: you see a chick chick player or Starbucks, I tell I used to tell my prospective clients that all the time, "Where do I invest? You invest where Starbucks is invested."
5: Yeah, so the the big problem I see is is people treating real estate investments the way you see real estate investment treated in in China, right? So everybody owns a bunch of fucking apartments that aren't rented out at all. You have to be a little bit more dynamic than that. Not to pick a, on them, but uh, like like the Asian demographic, uh, both Indian and Asian, uh, I see those borrowers kind of following that model here in the U.S. But but you have to be of the mind that um, you're 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 looking for something that you can rehabilitate and and put work into and and make a, a positive future contribution to. Otherwise, it's just gonna like fucking stagnate in, in a really saturated market, and it's it's not gonna
6: give you.
0: Yeah, interesting. It it seemed like to me a lot of Asian investors are going to be people that have like maybe they have other jobs and they have income from those things. And they they're looking for something like simple. I own this, it goes up in value, I sell it. They're you know like managing an apartment Correct. complex for example seems like mm, less in that wheelhouse to me um for that crowd, but I don't know. Yeah, no,
5: it it is. It's 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 definitely a, a like a very noticeable cultural difference i mean from from my anecdote and I see it like on a daily basis but yeah it's it's they definitely look at more uh, as as a, a fucking portfolio than than as yeah it's it's a completely different animal from the kind of stuff that we're talking about here on a daily basis
6: yep yep um zin were you trying to chime in on something you had your hand up for some reason oh
0: you're you're cutting Statistics.
4: out there. Uh, hello?
0: You're cutting out a little bit. Yeah, you're back. Hear me? I think so. Try it. Try now.
4: All right. Finances, statistics, percentages.
3: I like what I hear, guys, but uh, let's cut the bullshit because I'm here to talk shop. Uh, Drew, I'd like you to finance me
4: $11 million
5: shoot me a dm I got you covered as long as you're not going to spend
6: it all on hex she very well
4: might you're, you're going to finance me 11 million dollars
6: depends on your financials
4: i don't have 11 million
5: you don't need to have 11 million
4: how how much then. do i need
5: that's good news then <laughs> you hear that <laughs> you need a stable income and you need uh you need to have an investment opportunity that's gonna cash flow appropriately. Oh I oh I got
3: one.
6: As long as it's not hex.
4: I'm gonna start a company.
3: Hey, I'm, gonna, just to-
4: I'm gonna start a mouse mat company,
3: but it's a mood mat. You know mood mm-hmm. rings. Yes. Imagine you're on your computer and you can look and see what mood you're in. You look down at your mouse.
5: I don't have a mat under my mouth. Yeah, I told
3: you. I'm I, gonna I, listen, I'm going to start this company. I think you should. I, would, I like what I hear from you, Drew. You're a <laughs> businessman. You know your shit. I'd like you to be the first investor in, in my company.
5: Deal. Let's get it done.
3: Mood mats. <laughs> Let's
5: get it and done. And it's
3: mats with a Z at the end.
7: Hmm. I like and it, there's little catchy. googly
3: eyes in the mood. it's like a smiley face
4: or a sad face. it can be both in the logo
6: hmm.
4: it's gonna be huge
6: just uh just to keep on know.
5: on topic here with uh c c i p and i b c sefi uh mm-hmm. I know a girl with um cystic fibrosis and uh-huh. uh uh, I was reading like 10 years ago because I, I wanted to date this girl, but I got scared away a little bit because I saw a life expectancy of like 40 years old for people with
0: CF. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate and has that changed? Yeah, that it's more- changed. Um, the, so, what's happening now is there's the new CFTR modulating drugs. Uh, the first one came out in 2012 ish, which was um, Ivacaftor, And then others came about as well. So, we're using essentially like triple drug therapy now, Trikafta, they call it. Um, And depending on what specific mutation a person has, um, life expectancy is increasing dramatically. Like people are not having the pancreatic and lung disease that they once did to the extent that they're starting medications like these at age two now. So women are actually being able to get pregnant and because before, like the fallopian tubes get affected as well. And so you, you'd have like problems with that. Uh, yeah, she know, was she a bit older. She's she's about 30 now. Um, yeah, if she's if but, she's 30 now, like she probably already started these drugs if she qualified for them. Not all mutations of CF qualify. But um, yeah, I, I, mean, I know she it, went she went through some
5: some trials. She volunteered for a bunch of trials. So I'm assuming
0: it was she, probably for these type of drugs, I would imagine wouldn't be surprising. But if she has had had been on these for a while, uh, people are living a lot longer than they once did, and getting a lot less um, lung and pancreatic disease. Isn't so, you, uh,
3: forty uh, is when everyone cheats on their spouse anyway, isn't it? Like that's <laughs> like forties is when everyone's getting divorced, right? Yeah, but I
5: I still weigh things out in a longer term than that than that's in. I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen to me. So
7: <laughs>
5: the um, I mean. Sefi, what do you mean longer? Can you quantify that? I mean, I mean,
0: what's, um, what's the well aspect? typically yeah, typically people with with no therapy for CF, people used to even die in their teens. Um, I've known some patients that have died in their teens, those that haven't taken care of themselves and whatnot. Um, or even earlier, like, you know, that, so you could die really early if you have really bad disease, uh, infections and whatnot that come for as a result of it. And then like slowly different antibiotic regimens and, and inhaled DNA ACE and some other things that you use, people started living more to like 25 to 35 pretty regularly. So, um, you know, preserving lung function longer and whatnot. And then with these new drugs, um, I don't think we know how far people are going to go with them, but if someone's born with it now, and you have been on these medications starting at age two and whatnot that they're doing now, people are living probably a lot longer. And you're seeing like lung pr- lung function and other things preserved for very long periods of time. So I think the jury's out right now, as far as like, yeah, if she started some of these things in the last five years, which is fairly high likelihood of it from what it sounds like, um, lifestyle may be, might be quite longer. And, um, it, it, like, people are living, like, sort of, like, they're not even having symptoms anymore. It's, like, that impressive. Um, Dude,
3: th- this whole line of questioning is, is, like, exactly why I'm terrified of men. Did you, know, did you know that men are five times more likely to leave their partner if they have a serious illness? 20%. Of men well
0: i mean drew's asked compared about someone, to three percent of women this that's a different thing entirely yeah, I, I yeah but
3: one. but he's cut he cut off the relationship because he's like well she's gonna die she's gonna die early no, no, next no it's no, like <laughs> it, so sad no, no no no
5: no no it it never started it never started we were we were friends and i i don't know played around with the idea in my head but was worried because of that i mean can you imagine um losing yeah. somebody that early so i i don't, no don't i mean i wouldn't I wouldn't do it either
3: it just stuff. reminded me so but. sometimes sometimes I wonder if like men are all in on like the inside if they're all like kind of psychopaths, but then they Absolutely just like it's not. like an inside joke
5: I literally tell people's dogs that I love them as they walk by, so one hundred percent not uh, quite the
6: um,
0: opposite actually but anyway, like drew the so what usually couples do if um you know one has cystic fibrosis they actually it's an autosomal recessive disorder, so what like if you married someone with cystic fibrosis, let's say, or had a baby with someone with cystic fibrosis, like what are the odds that that child would also have it um it would be mainly if you also had the gene for cystic fibrosis, and then some a fraction of those kids would possibly get it so typically, if there's any concern like well, what if I had a kid with this person, what's gonna happen then what you tip they typically do is they'll look at um uh, like one of the things that they'll do is they'll look at, um, uh, like your gene analysis and make sure that like, um, there won't be any consequences or what have you, or some people will do like IVF where they'll choose the, the sperm or egg that doesn't have the problem. And then just on, off you go. So yeah, times have changed considerably from this perspective, but I don't know, like with the capture based drugs, like I don't, I don't follow it enough to know like are people having normal pregnancies now? Like what's going on? So yeah, all of those things are factors for couples for sure. And um, you know, yeah, this, it's like you don't have to be crazy to wonder about them, uh, to the extent that like the but the medications now are like truly game changing for CF um that weren't did not exist, say 10 years ago. So I don't know. Don't know what to tell you about your her particular case be interesting
5: though. What, what are the chances that like heavy drugs like that could have like a mutagenic effect?
0: on a pregnancy? Um, I don't think they're necessarily mutagenic. They modify the performance of a specific protein that is flawed in that particular situation. But um, mutagenicity and stuff is stuff that is somewhat tested for and there are certain sort of like compounds that have a higher likelihood of it. So, they kind of like look for it more aggressively. But I mean, to the point that they're using it in two-year-olds, cystic fibrosis is a really bad disease. So, from the perspective of the individual, uh, like the risk-benefit ratio is clear, but is it going to affect like, for example, a fetus or something? I, I don't really know. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, as far as like carcinogenicity and all that, the problem with medicine is like these are things you only learn over decades of time. And a lot of those patients would be dead if not for the particular options and or be in lung transplantation and such so uh and that's not to say that like everyone's just encouraging everyone to go get pregnant with this either. Women have to usually decide they're like, well, I think I'm gonna try to risk it or whatever. Maybe the drug you know can get the baby in trouble, maybe it couldn't like people worried about this for h i v as well like um like what happens if you give h i v drugs while you're pregnant Are the baby's gonna get problems? Turns out not really that um, you can drop viral loads for HIV, for example, so low that you can actually have a baby without actually transmitting HIV to the child, believe it or not. So, and uh, I think there's plenty of people born with yeah, two with I thought that was it.
5: actually quite common, isn't it?
0: I mean, uh, what's that now? Pregnancy? I thought,
5: I thought it was actually extremely low likelihood of transmitting it to your child. If, yeah. if your viral, viral loads are like, that's like right. Like a tenth of a percent or one percent or something
0: like that. Yeah, and yeah. And, and those are the targets anyway when you use like uh when when you use HIV medications anyway, so lower those levels to a certain amount. And so yeah, a lot a lot has changed. Um and like the cystic fibrosis thing is truly revolutionary. Like when I started school as a lung doctor and stuff, like you know, or started practicing, like these things didn't exist. We had no idea how long it would take for people to come up with drugs like this to uh make people live longer and live better. Uh, very impressive stuff. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're seeing like, I think we're going to have a lot of revolutions in medicine for a lot of these nasty diseases moving into the next 20 years. Cause a lot of the, the genetic and proteomics stuff has, you know, come to fruition. Uh, recently, um, a pharmaceutical company created something for sickle cell anemia kids, um, which looks really promising where it kind of like promotes the, I believe what it does is, um, I don't know the drug too well, but I believe it promotes the, um, like expression of fetal hemoglobin from your bone marrow and fetal hemoglobin doesn't sickle as much. So, um, it kind of helps reduce the likelihood of sickle cell crisis and whatnot that people face. So yeah, interesting stuff to make people uh, live better and less pain and whatnot.
5: Um, no, it's not your area of expertise, but what's your take on, on, uh, um, like, like Alzheimer's and, and dementia Treatments going forward, do you think that's something in the next like fifteen to twenty years we'll see
0: it seems like it it seems like it there's more and more sort of study going on that's one of the things that like my son's lab was doing when he was in college um was doing a little bit of work looking at like fly neurochemistry and other things to see if they could detect um different parts of how like what parts of the genome yeah. reflect what parts of cognition and then what could be modified and um yeah, like I think with Alzheimer's, there's enough reason for people to study it, because a lot of people get this disease, that you're seeing more and more studies in this respect. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think now is there gonna be like a definitive cure or prevention or whatever? We don't know exactly what causes Alzheimer's. So to say that there's gonna be a definitive cure, I don't know. Um but like is there gonna be something that maybe reverses, you know, the 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 degenerative process somehow that's probably feasible like there's probably ways to get to that seems like everybody
5: everybody talks about like the blood brain barrier as as like the primary uh, um, mode of action for for alzheimer's right so i've heard people talk about yeah
0: well the trouble is delivering drugs so the blood brain barrier prevents a lot of meds from getting into your your spinal fluid so even if you could deliver something it would have to be something that makes it across the blood brain barrier and that might represent some of the challenges but i don't know
5: i mean i mean would would there be any difference with like using biologics or something like that a uh, difference in what now i mean would there be any any difference in in your body's ability to uh um I, I don't know, utilize or, or make those medications bioavailable uh, by using a biologic like, like does that,
0: does yeah. that get past the blood brain barrier? I guess further? it depends. It depends on like, let's say we discover something that I don't know, like, you know, prevents, you know, the various, you know, amyloid plaque formation or whatever. And, you know, like, but then how do you get it? Like, depending on the molecule that is getting it across into your spinal fluid is a different problem. Um, there are certain diseases that there's a precedence for actually injecting things directly into your spinal fluid. For example, my dad had leukemia a couple of years back, and the you know for AOL, they they were he had like twelve lumbar punctures along the course, and the reason is because if you develop uh, evidence of leukemic cells in the spinal fluid, you actually deliver chemo directly to the spinal fluid for that. Fortunately, he never was spinal fluid positive, and he never required any of that and um he actually was cured of his all which by the way is a biologic agent that cured him uh and that was a very difficult thing like if he had this same disease 10 years ago he'd probably be dead now more than likely but because because he had this particular disease after certain treatments were available he luckily did really well but to the point of drew's point is like the biological agents yeah what if like a biological agent is not actually the cures for alzheimer's then it's like okay Delivering it, how would you get it there? In theory, you could deliver it straight to the spinal fluid if that was going to do the trick. So there's, there's depending on how desperate you are. But the problem is that's a much more cost prohibitive thing and it's hard to deliver a lot of meds to people. So there's no guarantee that whatever cure comes out is one that is easy to administer or some shit, right? That's the problem. Uh, if it can be a pill that you can swallow and it prevents you from bursting in Alzheimer's, awesome. Like it makes life easy for people. Yeah.
5: Whatever. Like with anything, it's always going to, it's, almost certainly going to be concentrated at the top but you know again i guess that's part of the big hope for ai as as much as i think it's an existential crisis i think you're, you're going to have a pretty significant deflationary yeah. effect
0: with that so people are people are using people are using ai already for proteanomics work and um looking at designing meds and things like that so that's already happening for sure and it'll help with drug discovery almost for sure because it can like model These diffusion models can basically model um, like protein shapes and other things to like like Google DeepMinds project, for example, um, has has done a lot of this. So, yeah, it's going to make a lot of impact. Like, you know, I think we're going to have a hard time for seeing like, let's say 15, 20 years from now, like what diseases we're going to have amazing cures for and stuff. It could be quite a few. It's interesting. Sorry for all the
5: tangents, man. I know every time I come on here, I take you guys on like the absolute worst imaginable tangents off
0: of EIP uh, no, cool.
5: and IBC. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, cool. Um, yeah, it's fun to just kind of like veer here and there. Um, it is an area that I have like a, a modest level of expertise in anyway. But uh, like, uh, anyway, like, but I'm not necessarily like in like deep with these specific diseases as far as like research and whatnot. So, like my knowledge base would be, like, uh, I kind of know the landscape a little, but it's definitely superficial. Like, I don't pretend to know about, you know, where all the research is and all these things or anything like that. There's definitely like really, really deep experts in all of these things that are working on stuff. Super interesting stuff, though. Like, but it does impact our lives because we are at the age where these things might affect our particular existence in the not so distant future as we get older.
5: Yeah, I mean, each each. Each of those questions comes from like a personal space, right? Because my, my mm-hmm. parents have started to exhibit some of the uh, early signs of dementia in their sixties, which really bothers mm-hmm. me quite a bit. Um, you know, my my dad is extraordinarily aggravated, uh, like nothing we've ever seen, and my mom's got some some definite short term memory
0: loss. But uh, I'm, I'm they hoping... both have issues at the same time.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, with her, I'm hoping it's it's more related to her, you know, to her anxiety. Right, yeah, you have a tendency to have that too, but um, and then obviously my friend with uh,
6: with CF too, so yep, yep. Zinn, you were gonna say something?
4: Oh, I wasn't gonna say anything, I don't know anything about somatosensory, so I have no input,
0: mm. yeah, like I think like uh, brain therapies and stuff are just harder to solve for, um. But you know, it's things are getting there. But I, I think then it's like even CF and things like that, like to what extent are people gonna go to like if you knew you had the CF gene, uh, let's say you're a man or a woman and you, you knew that there's a possibility you could pass it on, would you do something like in vitro fertilization fertilization, things like that for your kids so you can avoid having to pass on that gene? Cause like while while, you know, it's one thing to be have compassion for someone with CF, would you actually want a child that you like, you know, has CF and you give it to them on purpose or something or whatever. I don't know if that's it. So that's That gets into much more deeper philosophical. Dude. As far as like, you know, how, how, how much you believe in like the natural way of humanity versus like the modified version of it.
3: That's one of my favorite humanity downfall narratives is like, we start editing Dude. things out. We get carried <laughs> away. We're like, no more psychopaths, no more, no more psychopaths. Yeah. And then we realize like, oh, fuck, we don't have any psychopaths.
0: (laughs) I think that I'm agreeing with you on that one, Zen, is that I think it's really easy to assume, especially because every human being is a bit of a narcissist. Like we we see the world through our own eyes. And therefore we believe at some level that everyone should be like me or why doesn't, no, whatever. So there's going to be always this inherent bias that like, Oh well, that height is better, or that type of spinal cord is better, or that kind of skin is better, or whatever. And it turns out that like evolution, you know, has allowed these things to exist because like there was some survival benefit. And then you go and fuck with it, whether it's cystic fibrosis, whether it's whatever. And maybe like the people that don't get the disease, like the autosomal recessives, they get additional benefits that you're not aware of. And you're basically deleting those out, thinking you're perfecting something, when in fact like. You know, you may or may not be. So there is that. Yeah.
3: Problem. Mo- most of the time, in most cases, I heavily disagree with people when they say we don't know anything, especially when people talk about neuroscience. That drives me up the wall when they're like, we don't understand anything about the brain. And they quote that one fucking thing that Elon Musk said a long time ago, which was really fucking stupid. I don't know why he said it because it's just not true. But in this case, in this case, we're advancing way too fast to start editing the code. If we don't understand yeah. every aspect of the so. code, we shouldn't and, be editing the code.
0: probably a different perspective is we'll never understand all aspects of the code because the way it works is we have genetic diversity for a reason. And that is that the future is unknowable. We may live in a world where a meteor strikes the planet and you know a dozen people survive. And the only reason they survive is because they have some awkward quirk. And so the inability to know the future makes it hard to edit genetics for the future that you don't know. And now you're just making shit up at that point. And the reality is like, you will have people that believe that like in the name of curing diseases, in the name of preventing X, Y, and Z, that you ought to do this. And then you're gonna have another camp of sort of naturalists who are like, wait a minute, like let nature take its course. And then you'll have another camp that says, wait a minute, but we, we bypassed naturalism long time ago. when We started using antibiotics and not letting people die with modern medicine. So like, it's a big vicious circle. And as a, as a physician, I'm, I'm divided. Like I see both sides. I'm like, well, I don't want to have to like, like, should, should I treat a person with cystic fibrosis? So she's doing great. And then she's able to have a baby. And now that kid like passes on these genes. Does that make sense? Or like, does it make sense to believe in like some element of survival, the fittest? And it's bad to do that because it's not good for it. So like, you can look at it from both angles. And I think ethically, legally, whatever it is, like there is just no right answer. Like, like and you're going to get so much politics injected into it, as you know, because like when there's no perfect answer, then everyone's opinion is just, you know, whatever. Like everyone has an opinion and, and uh, they'll believe they have the right one. It becomes I mean, very dogmatic. It's, it's true.
3: Even without the IVF, you're so right. Because we can even take Drew's case. Like that woman may not even be alive Today, or I don't know anything about cystic yeah. fibrosis. had it, like, not, I'm been, gonna be had honest, it not been but, for
0: modern medicine, she probably yeah, be, right? yeah yeah.
3: So like the option to procreate with her wouldn't even be there. So we're already we're already fucking with the code. But I we think like are. going into IVF, that's like that's danger zone because that accelerates it way too fucking fast.
0: And this is the same combo, by the way. You know, when you get to the accelerationist for AI, it's the same conversation almost: genetic modifications, AI modifications you're getting onto some fringe level where it's almost like it's like the garden of eden and eating the apple i sort of joke about that in the sense that like you're eating the last gardens in the apple yeah you know, you're leaving the last apples in the garden essentially where you're just in the pure fuck run and find out mode you know what i mean like there's no way to know for sure if this will lead to optimal human flourishing but hell we're going to just fucking do it anyway and um and you know i don't know like which is going to be the better world the accelerationists say well it's inevitable anyway. Like. You're not going to stop science and technology. And then the opposite people say, well, we got to go the Luddite route and live in a mud hut somewhere in a cave and not advance technology. And I think, you know, they're both right and they're both wrong. Um, if you knew the future for sure, you could tell for sure right now which is right and wrong. But you can't, so you don't really know. Elon Musk's st- stance then is that, like, genetic modification is the only way. Like, ultimately, it, without tech, we burn when the sun burns out, us out and so therefore like if you want to you know go past the earth you're not going to be able to live with human bodies in space because like you know we can't handle cosmic radiation whatever else so like in theory if you think that it's okay for everyone on the on the planet to die off and we shouldn't go interplanetary at some point then fine you can go the natural route but if you believe that human beings should exist past that time for whatever reasons you believe it then you should do ex, you know these things and so I don't know. The acceleration is decelerist argument is very much true in medicine as it is in anything. And I've I've struggled with this theory like my entire time I've been in medicine. Like since I was first started I, was, I saw this paradox. I'm like, wait a minute. On the one hand, wait, survival of the fittest is good. It's good for evolution, but it's not good enough for us. So it's like a weird paradox. The the left and the right think very differently about this by the way. It's I fi- I noticed this paradox. So you know how? I remember, like the when, left
3: and the right think.
0: Yeah, but but think about this. Like, remember when the left was like very much like, "Hey, you know, evolution's important. You got to teach it in schools." And then people on the right were having had that theologic idea that, "Oh no, God put us here last week, and you know whatever, and um, you know planted us on this planet, and we didn't evolve from monkeys. How dare you say this?" Right? Remember that argument? So that was a big thing for a while. And the paradox of that is, on the if you look at economic activity. The right tends to favor capitalism, the left favors socialism. Capitalism is more survival of the fittest. Socialism is more like the, the, the antithesis of survival of the fittest. So it's like weird that there's this paradox. On the one hand, you want to teach evolution, but on the other hand, evolution doesn't apply to me. Like that's the, like, and it's true. And they're
3: all thing. retarded.
0: Yeah. That's, this is why I came upon the thesis ultimately that everyone's a hypocrite, no matter which side you're on. Everyone's a hypocrite. Like when the time comes, Like you will do the opposite of whatever the fuck you think you thought you were going to do because like there is this paradox of life that, that we just cannot get past. So any sane people that you meet, like, uh, you know, like an indication of sanity is a person who can recognize the hypocrisy in their, in themselves and in their particular ideology and can see that for what it is. And if they can't see that, they're that kind of ideologue where they're just stuck in their brain circular circular logic all the time. You see some people on the internet behave like this, like Stephen King and Rob Reiner. They go attack Trump for everything or whatever and then there's some people on the right that do this with the left. Like you can see the people who are just in this like this like matrix circle inside their head, and they can't understand like you know why whatever their ideology could never be perfect
3: I don't Sefi, I don't think they're thinking they the w- when you like the people whatever, you're talking about, they just yeah. they just whatever parrot. It. They parrot other people's argument. They don't even know what they're they're NPCs. They're not even.
0: Yeah, they're they're having a hard time. They're not like,
3: playing. They're they're a script. They're just they're running a, a script.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although I would say, like most people I've met in my life, have some script in their head. It's not like we're all NPCs, but to a different degree. I think Elon said this specifically. Like. If you haven't thought about whether you're an NPC or not, you're an NPC.
3: <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> kind of I, I have thought about this. I am, I'm definitely 100% like the weird, I'm the witch in the corner that like gives you a potion for a side quest. That's me. But I like don't <laughs> say funny. much about it. I just lead you in a direction. <laughs>
0: That's funny. <laughs> hey, Red was trying to get on. Red, like you've been having connection issues or something. Like you dropped and came in back and forth.
8: What's yeah. up, man? Yeah. What you I
0: to? was uh,
9: I was trying to use my desktop for speaking oh. for whatever reason my mic wasn't working so I just hopped on my phone. Um, okay. yeah, I was Drop originally it. asking just I think when you were talking about the cystic fibrosis if you've ever had a spinal tap because I've had to have one of those
0: before and it is incredibly painful. Um, it depends. Like my dad had about a dozen of them with his leukemia. He had no problems with it. I think it oh, depends yeah. on getting it how quick they are. I,
9: I don't think that I got the right. Some of them are harder.
0: Uh, sort of like. Uh, numbing numbing
9: for the process um wait
3: you have cystic fibrosis
9: i do not i had a spinal tap for a separate ordeal um yeah it was suspected to have uh bacterial meningitis okay yeah so they needed to yeah they wanted to pull spinal fluid to make sure there was like no blood there
0: And I wasn't talking about CF needing spinal taps by that. I was thinking of talking about a different subject that got melted. Okay, sorry,
9: sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. but
0: it's okay. Yeah. No, Um, but yeah, they they can be painful if you you get poked in the wrong spot for a little bit. (laughs) But
7: yeah.
9: The second thing I wanted to come up here and ask you about is uh, do you see secrets run up today? Oh, no. Like 25, 26%.
0: Oh, good. uh, Uh, Price increase 24 hours. Any particular announcements or just like random price action?
9: Uh I mean for, I, I don't uh do a whole lot of trading. So I guess from my perspective, it kind of looks like uh random
0: price action. Um, there, but there's a lot of volume today on it too. Oh um, yeah. I mean like it's been great so than, for more so than the last year. This is the largest three-day volume in, in like a year.
9: Yeah, so, I mean it's been great for that one a lot. swap. I think uh I think Shade Swap's probably gonna hit a all-time high for volume today
6: be awesome good
0: yeah as a result of that the good news is in a bull market like people show up and like honestly what oftentimes happens is they buy whatever hasn't gone up yet i'm I'm deadly serious about that it sounds dumb but like you'll see this happen or or maybe someone created like a youtube video or some shit and the next thing you know a bunch of people bought it like that happens too like what looks like chance is sort of chance like from the you know like you didn't create the youtube video and that's who knows when they're going to announce this but a lot of times when you see these pumps it's because there's a sudden tension out of nowhere um and that's good because like like we're talking about it because the price went up and then when that happens people go oh look people care about this now and then they make more so the excitement cycle usually lasts a few weeks so hopefully it has a bit of a run that'd be good oh yeah it was just really cool to see i mean
9: i know i i think i've mentioned this in the past whenever we've talked about Zephyr, XMR. Or- other privacy mm-hmm. tokens, like generally speaking, you know, a lot of privacy projects will kind of hit that um, price action a little bit later than a lot of other tokens will. Um, or yeah. maybe it's price action is a little bit delayed uh, relative. Privacy to coins the are more of cycle. like, a,
0: they're kind of a right curve type of thing. It's like smarter people tend to be involved. Like if you met anybody in the the privacy space and you meet people that show into co- come under spaces that are into privacy stuff definitely on the higher iq side of things <laughs> like more right curve people because it's like to go all the way to that extreme you have to be like i don't know you have to understand the nature of nature itself i would say at some deep level and you have to find like assign importance to some meta Issues that are very sort of like deeply libertarian or whatever. It's just there's a tendency for smarter people to care about privacy, I think. And that, but you know, the problem, Red, has been, and I've, I've mentioned this many times, is that the privacy space, for some reason, well, it's not some reason, I think I know the reason, but the privacy space doesn't catch as much capital flows as everything else. Um, it has always been this way since the beginning of crypto. It's, you know, whether it's Monero or whatever. Um, and my hope is, or I don't know if it's a hope, but like my, my gamble is, is that privacy is going to catch more attention going into when CBDCs and AI shit starts attacking everybody, which really in the next couple of years, that's going to be very high. So it's like the, the, you know, the Bitcoin maxis with the laser eyes and everything, you know, Satoshi originally, um, you know, like, decided against putting privacy into Bitcoin, but did consider the idea of it and was interested in the tech behind it. But the tech hadn't been quite developed yet, I think is the biggest problem. And it was never included in original BTC. Now, could BTC have become this big if privacy was included? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, because privacy in UTXO chains has consequences. especially in terms of speed and other factors so maybe it wouldn't have been as big so maybe the right choice was made in making btc not private but definitely this stuff was being considered from the very beginning and um but at the same time it's like even the btc maxis it's the only true crypto people are people that are probably both heavily into btc and into monero right because if you're like because if you don't get why privacy is necessary then you have to be like partially retarded or something and you mostly dove yeah, into the it kind of right? uh
9: it kind of fits into what you were talking about where people are hypocrites to some degree like everyone's a hypocrite to some degree like exactly someone who's more of a privacy maxi like if i hold ETH or if i hold bitcoin instead of you know their privacy preserving equivalent or you know some whether it be secret or shade or or xmr or whatever um then you know that's on some level some form of hypocrisy uh at least from like a moral standpoint yeah. or like from your
0: moral or even like just general libertarian philosophical yeah, standpoint. yeah 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 that's more what i was talking about yeah um yeah kind of it kind of fits interestingly there and you could you know like the like a sane individual can point out things that are good and bad about bitcoin things are good and bad about xmr all of these things are purely trade-offs. None of them result in like a utopian society or whatever the fuck else people think these things cause, right? Like they're, they're tools at some level or the other, and they definitely have trade-offs. And that's how a sane person thinks. I think, um, like the, the people that are pure maxis about something and can't demonstrate what the, the negatives are with their thing, they're probably not worth paying attention to (laughs) like they they just don't know enough about the tech or the details they're just making shit up and larping mostly Um, you see a lot of that in the crypto space for sure yo sefi yeah go ahead man go ahead yo um
10: so going back to the secret network transaction volume um i think that's from andrew meta's b2b with them they help a lot with bridging so we can start to see a lot of um
0: repeat that again i didn't hear like andrew what
10: Andrew meta it's a um it's a bridging in between the cosmos they uh okay. they did a token release a little while ago um so essentially they uh they help a lot with bridging, and I could see them doing a lot of b two b with secret network uh, that's i think it was like shade protocol where they had their airdrop
11: um, oh you're
9: talking about andromeda okay. andromeda. andromeda yeah okay, my bad.
11: Okay.
9: okay yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so I mean- um Andromeda just hit a new all time high for volume today on
10: Shadeswap. It's like 700 or so K. So right I, I I think a lot of the transaction volume is bridging outside assets. It's kind of like a, I like to think of Lido Finance with like the original Anchor concept when it like bridged ETH and other assets over that really like pumped up Anchor originally. Um, and Intermeta is like a, they're doing, I think, a much better job in bridging over those ETH assets. Um, I think they're working with Solana and a couple of other large. Uh, but
0: Andromeda hasn't now. opened its own chain yet, right? The initial coin. Yeah, no, the chain is
9: live. Andromeda is live. Uh, AOS is not live right now.
0: What's AOS? Wait, repeat that. AOS a- is
9: a- their Andromeda operating system.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I the, knew about the The token system.
9: is live. The token uh, listed on December 28th. But the oh, token listed on
0: Shade though, right? But it, yep. their chain yep. is not open yet, is it? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the chain The is actual live. Andromeda
9: chain,
10: it's open yeah. now? Yep. Yeah, yeah, they're going to help out the Cosmos in a big way. A lot of people, like... Yeah. I am mean, not invested in, like, Kujira, like, stuff like that. Um, but, like, everyone's always hyped about their transaction volume. Like, But I'm like, that's stuff happening within their kind of realm. It's not bringing outside assets in there. So the problem is that they're not getting, like, liquidity from outside assets. So yeah. Andromeda, when it's, like, plugging in all these Cosmos chains... They're bridging in the outside liquidity, which is really getting stuff to pump.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. Well, Andromeda, I've talked to that team like several times, um, over the past several years. The, the, they originally were going to launch on Terra. And then, of course, the Terra crash kind of created a mess out of everything for them. And, uh, but yeah, they're, they're like building block sort of strategy for creating sort of, DeFi automations is really cool. Um and they're, they're back
10: with Terra now. They uh they still have that relationship. They they what now? If you go on their website, one of their chains that they support is Terra. They yeah have yeah. That partnership.
0: Yeah, like Andromeda's goal is gonna be to basically be a cosmos wide um system with IBC and then you know being able to do DeFi automations and whatnot across multiple chains. That's really cool.
10: And it's taking away like a large cap liquidity, like the ETH, the Solana, um, the stuff that was pumped kind of recently. So I think it's going to be huge in order to be able to bridge those assets, not going to have to go through like the loophole of uh, Lido Finance. It was really hard to manage. I don't know if you used to like use the collateral assets and WETH and stuff like that with Anchor.
0: But, i never did but i know yeah i know what you're talking about though yeah
10: but yeah it's like a, it's like a refined version much easier to use don't have to do the Lido finance bullshit. um <laughs> so i think that's kind of like the gatekeeper that uh we need in the cosmos in order to like get that outside liquidity going um resorting yeah, back to I mean, so, jira yeah. again inside liquidity uh they need to plug in to get that outside liquidity uh, that's just what i find is like a big problem with these um, specific assets, you're like, wow, a lot of transaction volume, but that's like within their it's
0: own free- network.
10: It's not necessarily we, we, need,
0: we need more tradable things, basically, long story short of it. Yeah. That's yeah, important. Just bringing in outside liquidity from other um, large
10: cap assets and in the cosmos. Yeah. One of the yeah, coolest that's why, like, things
9: for yeah, what like, Andromeda is also doing is that, you know, it's going to speed up how quickly different DApps can be built. You know, if you can take different parts of a particular DeFi primitive and plug those together and then, you know, build off of that, your, your time to getting to production is much shorter, which means teams ideally need less funding.
0: And, you know, we see greater iteration speed, which is, which is awesome. Yep. The thing that, the thing that makes me worry, Red, and I don't know if you heard this morning when we were talking about, um, so the thing I worry about for Cosmos right now is that number one, IBC is something that has like a competitor basically in the form of Chainlink CCIP. Number two, even you know individual app chains like noise protocol for verifiable randomness, Chainlink incorporated a VRF module, and people are using that already. The third thing is the new Chainlink automations, which basically allows you to do automations similar to what you think of here on what Andromeda is attempting to do. So there's like a lot of competition now in the overall space. Even for privacy, um, Chainlink in the background is looking at doing sort of like ZK roll-up things in the background um, in, in within the CCIP architecture to leave certain information private, like for example, KYC information. So there's a lot of um, competition in the space and Andromeda kind of got, is getting there, but is kind of like slow to get there because of all the like fallout of the last bear market and probably they got wrecked as much as anybody i would imagine and um so i don't know like i i'm if i'm being honest with myself it's like like i pretty much said oh shit like there's like a, a dozen thing chainlink's doing and you can get all of that with connecting one thing as opposed to having to deal with multiple chains and all sorts of other consequences and you wind up with like connecting to all the liquidity of ccip that's why i went nuts and went and bought a bunch of chainlink i'm like um very few people understand what they just accomplished, and oh, having yeah. Some, I mean, you chain know.
9: link is definitely a, a powerful force, and you know I've shared my thoughts on like the app chain thesis and and mm. um, I, I don't know if you and I have ever explicitly talked about it, but you know, I think there are a lot of chains that are pretty redundant. I think that app chains make sense um, if there's like proven demand for what you Right. Are building uh, like DYDX is a great example of that. Um, Or, like, I think smart contract platforms kind of get a pass here just because if they're differentiated, you know, Archway Mm -hmm. uh, is differentiated, secrets differentiated. And then you have things like Neutron and Juno uh, that are, uh, you know,
0: permissionless uh, smart contract platforms. Yeah, like are they are they differentiated enough though? That's the yeah, question. but like, like maybe not.
9: app chains like a DEX app chain or like a borrowing app chain, those are going to be really hard to sustain without uh, having clear product market fit in the ecosystem you're working in and then also just like general demand for that product. Um, yep. So I think smart contract platforms, if they're differentiated enough and they can continue incentivizing builders to build their... Um, you know, you're gonna need D apps. Uh, I think what Andromeda is doing is really interesting because it's gonna make it quicker for people to get those D apps to production. Ideally, they all have some sort of unique value proposition. You know, we don't need a bunch of copy paste X's everywhere or copy paste borrowing lending protocols everywhere. Um
0: the, the the right curve thing before people go and buy Andromeda token though. The the right curve like Oh yeah, I'm not that, I'm not
9: trying I'm not trying to tell people yeah. to do that. I just think oh, it's course. cool.
0: Uh that now, they, well just because we mentioned it, I always try to br- bring in some context in terms of price action, market cap, and stuff. Be aware that like, it's at a half-billion market cap, which is on the high end already. So if you're going to go and wait, gamble wait, wait. on
9: this. You said Andromeda?
0: Mm-hmm. Is that half? Yeah. Are you sure? Their number- yeah, their number is like, yeah. Like, Let me pull it up here. It's, on, uh, on Point
9: Gecko, it doesn't show. On Gecko, right.
0: it's showing 520 million FDV at least. I don't know what the actual. That's, like- they have a billion. To-
9: I think they've. I think the market cap is somewhere around like 15 or 16 million
0: right now. Okay. But the but FDV is super high, but oh, whatever yeah. the case may yeah. be, people yeah. should realize that these things, when they launch, they can be extraordinarily overvalued for periods of time and can sort of bleed out for a long time before they pick up a bid. So if you like, like it's always important to like caution people when we talk about these projects in the sense that like, and just because we talk about them doesn't mean we're implying that it's like a decent value right now, and you should accept whatever consequences of whatever your purchase price is yeah it's
9: it's low circulating yeah. supply right now
0: so. yeah, so there's a lot of like supply ready to you know that would be unleashed later, and the tokenomics is fairly heavily team centered so um just you know it is what it is, so for people that don't know how to do their own research just um just because we think andromeda is doing cool technical shit, does not automatically mean we believe that like the coin price is priced fairly right now in fact like did i go and buy andromeda with my money at this moment i've been watching for andromeda for years i was like i'm waiting for them to make a chain blah 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 i haven't personally picked up the token yet i could be very wrong here and that like the the price could moon and you're like oh he's an idiot Um, but i accept that possibility i haven't bought it yet It's like one of those recent
9: support is, I think, around like 40 cents, 42 cents. I think it's actually sitting around like 70 cents right now. It jumped up
0: from like low 50. Although it's really only here since like January 21st or something. So like December 28th. So yeah, you can't really do too much like chart analysis on the thing or whatever. Right. Like it's hasn't been around. Oh, yeah. It's on CoinGecko for shorter, but like, yeah, out longer. But the point is like, yeah, the technical analysis, one thing, the market cap slash like distribution analysis, another thing. And then the fundamentals is yet another thing. And does it bring, I don't know enough about it to know, like, does it bring, does the system bring value to the token and all that stuff long-term? But these are the kinds of things that if you're not sure if you should gamble on them, you probably shouldn't be. Um, And if you do, they should be probably small allocations. You know, that you're you're willing to ride down to 99% declines and numbers like that. Not to say that it will. And in a bull market right now, like with Bitcoin like pumping past 50K and everything, if anything, if you're gonna FOMO into something, you do it really early and you do it now, probably. But uh at the same time, like um at this moment, my personal thesis is I want to make sure I'm in things I know they're gonna go up. And then like, you know, if you raise a bunch of capital doing that, then you know, maybe. Next bear market or whatever, you can ape into every one of these things at at you know small amounts, and they all moon. So just be careful with with um, with what you buy, because <laughs> there's a lot of things that are uh, reasonably valued right now that are probably almost very likely to go up, as opposed to maybe they'll go down a lot. And what you don't want to be is in the beginning of like a really bullish three, four, or five months, and then you like pick something that goes down in value. That just feels like shit, pretty much. So um, be careful. Yeah, Zinn, go ahead. Yeah, hello, Stephanie, I have a question for you. Yeah, Bikram went.
8: Yes, I just want to know that's the more deep into the topic, like smart contact oracles. I I, I mean, I just want to know the, how these things work, like, you know, smart contact oracle. I mean, mean, Oracle
0: Oracle simply means, Oracle simply means you are bringing truth from somewhere, like the price of a, stock or price of gold or price of bitcoin or something and you're aggregating that those sources of truth from the various exchanges and you're mixing them into like the final price so like why is bitcoin currently you know you know why is it um the price that it is um so like right now it's fifty thousand dollars two hundred and seventeen cents where's that number coming from that's coming from all the different exchanges that trade btc and what the price of the Bitcoin is on those different exchanges. So an Oracle helps sort that out. You can either connect yeah. to every exchange manually, one by one, or an Oracle service can connect them all together and provide you with aggregate data. So th- yeah. that's what an Oracle does. And then like what Chainlink has is it has Oracle services. That's a separate thing. But then it also has a cross-chain uh, messaging protocol. And why do the two of them marry well together is because if you have an Oracle service that tells you the price of something, and you have something floating around in your, you know, in your layer, which includes like BTC and ETH, and you want to trade between Bitcoin and ETH. Like, you want to send, you know, uh, Bitcoin into the system and get Ethereum out. There has to be a trading price, right? And that price has, the, the exchange rate has to be known. The Oracle system can help with that. In fact, it's necessary for that. And if you don't have an Oracle system, then you're basically uh getting price discovery purely based on arbitrage between the exchanges alone. So yes. some mixture of Oracle plus arbitrage is usually how this is done. And the beauty of Chainlink is has it in particular is it has Oracle services and it has smart contract capabilities now and automation, similar to what Andromeda is doing. And it's got verifiable randomness and it's got cross-chain NFTs. It's got everything pretty much almost at this point, except for privacy, which they are building right now, but haven't finished. So that's why like you know, I've been kind of harping on like Chainlink all this time because they're doing incredible stuff. But, and some of the stuff that I really loved about Andromeda, some of the stuff I really loved about um, a lot of networks, you know, Cosmos Chains and everything else, I'm a little bit worried about in the sense that, you know, if you look four or five years from now and you say, wait a minute, like, you know, where's the liquidity kind of come, come from? It appears to be anything that's connected to CCIP is probably where, Liquidity is going to flow because why? Because the consumer experience is so much better if you
8: have like all of this yes. on one layer zero. So that's so. Why. Do you think so? Do you think like you know the it's the external data sources like the off chain events, and they interact with the smart contracts? Like no, but yes. do you think they are these things need more reliability? I know i mean, I mean you want to say like you know the efficiency these things needs more efficiency, like you know i i I think these datas are not reliable sometimes
0: um like yeah, i mean back back in like twenty seventeen twenty eighteen these things were not nearly as reliable, so like when mainly people were trading like bitcoin. People are beginning to trade things like Ethereum, um, even Chainlink at the time. You had very, very poor sort of like, uh, like prices on different exchanges in like 2016 be very different. Like you'd go to one place and Bitcoin would be worth a couple hundred dollars more. You go to somewhere else, it's a couple hundred dollars less, whatever. That has really, really trimmed down because on the one hand, you have way more arbitrage going on, but on the same time, there's way more Oracle services between those major exchanges. Chainlink is the big one between the big centralized exchanges. Um, yes. And then, and then, like where this becomes more prominent is especially if the, you try to connect real world assets like stock markets and things like that. Knowing what the actual price of that stock is on as many exchanges as possible it simultaneously is going to be very important. And the more things Chainlink is connected to, say for example, brokerages or stock clearing houses or whatever, the more accurate that data becomes. So it's it, it is not accurate necessarily as a de facto automatic. These things become more reliable, the more and more robust, the bigger those
8: systems get. That's the way you want to think of this. Um, is, so, is there any project you can recommend? Like, you know, they are building, like the smart contact oracles like innovative solutions for the future. I mean,
0: um, again, like the, these are very hard things to build, especially Oracle systems. Um, They're also even harder to have adopted, whereas a lot of... So right now, the two projects that appear to be the most prominent besides... So besides Chainlink, the other one is... The newer one is Pith Network, P-Y-T-H, and that one is a lot smaller market cap. Um, I believe it just went into price discovery, maybe. Let me look. Um, I don't own any, by the way. I haven't been... I haven't really done any research on it. It is more widely, it is becoming more widely adopted because it's relatively inexpensive. But yes, it just went into price discovery. Um, its market cap is 854 million. There was a big airdrop of pith network coins to people that were on Solana. Its fully diluted valuation is like 5.6 billion. So it's a little pricey, but at the same time, it's a bull market, you know how these things pump. So if you want exposure to something that's in price discovery. That would probably be the one to consider. And it's been doing more gain on a percentage basis than Chainlink has um, because it's like a much smaller market cap and, you know, it can pump more. Yes. But remember, a lot of airdrops and stuff, people are going to sell those. You can you can definitely um, – I don't know how high it's going to go and all that shit, but it's almost a billion market cap now. Um, and the fully diluted is almost six, so just
8: keep that sure. in mind. But anyway – so I think I think this chain link is the only solution. I think because they have yeah, money. There, and-
0: there's okay. one company called Band, which is a Cosmos chain and has Oracle capabilities. Um, it's been around since like um, quite some time ago. I don't know how prominent they are. Um, they're not like the big trusted source for the most part for most. Projects most most projects that can afford it usually go with Chainlink. If it's a really really serious project, Pith would be like a common one because it's cheaper. So they people tend to use it because it's cheaper. um Other than that, I don't know how many people are like how many things are incorporating Band, which is another Oracle system. So those are the big ones, I would say. Yes, I, I do. But there is this kind of like thing where like let's say Chainlink runs like let's say it, you know 10x is soon. Uh, it's very common in crypto that the other oracles and stuff like that are going to tend to pump too. In fact, you can see this happening at any given moment. Go to like Crypto Bubbles, you know, that web page, and you'll see that like, you're like, hey, wait a minute, like Chainlink's up, but wait, Pith went up even more and whatever. You'll see that effect quite prominently that any sector that's on the way up will tend to... Have other things in that sector also pump. But right now, in crypto, was like, everything's pumping. Like, holy shit, I just pulled it up. Like, a lot of things are up 10, 5, 10, 15%. Things are going up big time now. But Chainlink and Pith right now only went up like 1%. So you can see how they're lagging right now. But when they pump, like they do, they usually go together, which is interesting.
8: What I am waiting for, like, you know, Chainlink is implementing GKP for data transmitting, you know. Or preserving our privacy right. and that thing going to be you know the revolutionary in my opinion
0: yeah especially when it's on the cross-chain protocol layer because this is like think of Chainlink link is now becoming basically layer zero it's blockchain agnostic it's not a blockchain itself and it's basically these like a computer network that allows you to transfer things from one place to the other while keeping track of where all of those assets are and how many you know making sure there's no extraneous copies of them that way like if zin buys an nft on solana she can send that nft to i don't know whatever other place incorporates ccip
4: Not uh, gonna like happen. for example
0: like injective and then they, she could sell it over there if she wanted to so wild
4: the, hypothetical
0: yeah but you but like hypothetically like, you, any person can move assets anywhere they want that's ccip connected which is pretty awesome um uh, the reason i went crazy with link and the simple answer is is that like if you ask 99% of people what Link does now, they don't know. That means that I know more than probably 99% of people in the crypto space. Now, there are some hardcore Link people that know what it does. And there's people obviously, I'm not some kind of Link genius, but the point is like, if yeah. you look at the total market, you want to get into the thing that
8: people don't understand yet. And the yes. narrative is fully pumped. Chainlink yeah. chain is the robust one. And I can trust, you know, because the market is you not know, data manipulations and the data fit failures. And these new, you know, the these new vehicles you cannot trust. You know, the data feed failure is a real problem. You know,
6: yep.
0: yeah, yeah. Oracle also- hacks and Oracle attacks are a thing. Yes, that's for sure. Um, that that is a that is a attack vector area. That um, that uh, there's definitely like um, there are ways to sort of mess with DeFi protocols if you don't have a proper Oracle yes. system. That way. <laughs> Here, I think Dylan was going to say something. Hey, Dylan, what's up? Yeah,
12: I was actually, um, so I'm a blockchain, you know, developer building applications. And I actually really recently was just looking into uh, for the first time ever, getting into like, all right, I need an Oracle now. And I finally was just doing some of my own research. And you know how hard it is to find research or any sort of like real like price breakdown of like what I need as a developer. Cause I'm trying to build a bridge and I'm like, all right, I need an Oracle if I'm gonna transmute data between these two contracts trustlessly. Which chain are you building on right now? So it's like Ethereum and then, you know, this bridge is basically like a trustless bridge. And I found a way to use zero knowledge proofs in a relayer. And then it's like, okay, we can we can transmute data between two different chains, but they have to exchange signatures and agreements. And you need to do this really cheaply. And right, also you need to right. do it really quickly. And
0: Have you looked at CCIP already with Chainlink? Like, it's pretty good. Uh, well, so I was
12: actually in an Uber with the guy who was telling me about it at last year's ETH Denver. He's like, I'm the most bullish dude on Chainlink. And you'll know why in about six months. And then, and then that thing came out. And then I never used it. I didn't understand how to use it. And um, I'm, I'm speaking to their dev rel right now on Telegram, just trying to like figure out what this thing does and like, how do I start using it? And but you're, you're, building,
0: a... you're building what kind of dApp, if you don't mind me asking? Like, what, what is it supposed to do? Yeah.
12: Yeah. Okay. So it's like, um, so imagine like you have a wallet and it, the whole protocol is called the your bridge. And it's basically like, you know, the saying is, if it's not your keys, it's not your wallet. Well, if it's not your bridge, it's not your token. So all bridges, they 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 claim custody of your token before they actually transmit it through a relayer. I abstracted that relayer into a zero-knowledge proof. And instead, cool. the wallet now proves that Alice is Bob and Bob is also Alice. And so, um, yeah, so it's, a, it's using HTLC contracts instead. And HTLC contracts are known for atomic swaps usually between two different tokens. But instead of Bob being a different person and Alice being a different person, this relayer is proving that Alice is Bob and Bob is Alice. So the bridge has to prove, before I give you collateral, I need to be able to sign this collateral between two different contracts. So I need an oracle that can transmute some sort of like feed to these two different chains. And Chainlink seems like to be the only one that has all the connectivity that I need. But then it's like, if I need to use, like, if I'm trying to bridge between Ethereum and, and Solana, then it's like, Pith seems to be my only option. Yeah. So there's some, like, Oracle battle happening right now Pith is the Oracle. Pith
0: is native yeah. to Solana. Um, it, it, like, that's where they launched their token and whatever. And I think it's backed by some of the, you know, some of the various groups that care about Solana or whatever. I'm not sure about the details. The airdrop was there, too. So I know there's, like, some connection. But, um, yeah, like. But I think, I don't know how much like cross-chain protocol stuff Pith does versus Chainlink. I don't know a good, I don't have a good like AB comparison between the two as far as like a table or something. But um, I do know that like so far, Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, GMX, those are some of the big names I would say that have incorporated uh, CCIP and you have Circle, USDC already in that. Ecosystem, and you have um, Pax G, which is like gold, you know, you know, tokenized gold in that ecosystem. When why that is beneficial is because remember what's different about CCIP, and I don't know if this is true of pith is that while an Oracle network and just the ability to transfer um, things is great, what CCIP does is allows you to gain liquidity access to essentially any other chain connected to CCIP now, and that's super powerful. I don't know if Fifth Network is doing that. And there are definitely Avalanche mm-hmm. and Solana projects that are connected to this um, as well. Um, but the core chain, like Avalanche the chain, has not implemented it directly, nor has the primary Ethereum chain, nor has the primary Solana chain. So, mm. so it's, it's like the dApps and whatnot are doing connectivity. But in theory, like more powerful would be is if the entire chain did. I suspect what will happen is there will be new chains that get built that, you know, like Cosmos chains and whatever, you can spin one up in an hour or something. Uh, there will be new chains that get built that have that as a native concept because just imagine, you know, immediately having access. The moment you connect to CCIP, it'd be like almost like connecting to a Binance or something at some point. Like you have access mm. to everything in that, behind that wall of transfers. And so I think like as someone who's like been mostly a Cosmos kind of guy who has like, you know, looked at the benefits of IBC, which is interblock chain communication, which is a cross chain mm-hmm. proto. you know, it's like a cross chain protocol between um, between cosmos chains that you can transfer one coin to the other and whatever That you it's can, actually any chain. Yeah, you can use IBC for just about anything, you can use it for now. anything. Yeah, you can. But like, what I found is that IBC, like, basically, the way it works is you can create a channel between one destination or the other. It's almost like creating like a railway track. The problem is, yes, the railway track is like a singular route, and that route has yes. to be maintained by relayers. And right now, the relayers yes. have no way of getting paid properly. So the problem is, there's no gas token for that. And so, relayers they are sort exactly. of doing that shit out of the goodness of their heart. And that's concerning to me. The second thing, yeah, thing is, well, yeah, that's- <laughs> go ahead
12: that that's actually the whole thing with like being a trustless relayer like that mm-hmm. that's sort of the problem that i'm trying to solve right okay. now is like in, in, i was actually doing a lot of work on polka dot and also ethereum and i figured i actually did a whole research breakdown on xcm versus ibc first to see like okay. if i'm just building a bridge what do i choose and both if you're going to do a consensus message you have to build the consensus protocol to accept messages in xcm and then also if you're going to do ibc You have to have two trusted parties that connect the node via a trusted channel. And this is actually sort of defeats the purpose of a trustless bridge because then at some point somebody owns your token in order to interoperate between
0: the two. Exactly what you're saying is that's what CCIP has solved because they have been working on solving it for both Swift and for DTCC also. So, in other words, all things Mm -hmm. connecting to everything, not just crypto connecting to crypto, but also real world assets and existing computing systems. That's their theory, um, and scalability they've been doing that. What's that?
8: I Sorry, scalability is still the issue left. You know, the
0: no. So, 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 because Chainlink is not a blockchain, uh, it's basically infinitely scalable. As many nodes and networks people want to build, and not only that, but you can build your own node network on Chainlink. So, let's say, for example, you are Swift, you could create a node network yourself to do this. Uh, you don't need to have like somebody else build it for you or whatever. You can incentivize it yourself. So you can make as many nodes as you want. And and the thing is, like the reason why it's scalable is let's say American Airlines decides to build a you know node network um, or whatever, incentivize one being created in a decentralized way. The benefit there is like each network can be custom adjusted to each particular need. So you could scale it to the size that you care about it's just a bunch of computers we're not we're not talking about a blockchain in that instance so it's basically a non blockchain layer 0 is what chainlink is more or less built to. And it's pretty interesting i like uh, from a purely investor standpoint not from a building perspective but like after seeing like being years watching ibc and the user experience and all that shit and then watching ethereum and playing with metamask and all that nonsense like after all of the time i've spent on this i see like that chainlink system is like Me as a consumer, a user, I look at that and go, "Holy fuck! That's what I've been waiting for all this time." That's the reason why, like, I saw that and I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm going to buy a bunch of Chainlink coins," because like most of the crypto space doesn't understand the nature of these things. And I'm like, "Okay, I get it now. I see what you built, and it looks like it hasn't pumped like Solana or whatever the fuck else. Yeah, like everything pumps on just like hype and narrative. But I'm like, "Huh? I have to put a lot of money in its size." At the beginning of a bull market, what am I going to buy? I want to buy the thing that probably is not going to zero, but also like undervalued by the market. And that's definitely Chainlink at the moment. But it'd be interesting yeah. if you review like their system. But, I'd know, be interested to see like you what know, you think about their,
8: is, their system. This is not a proper test, you know, when the, the demand is increased, you know, the potential data feed that time you want to test the scalability, you know, the, of the networks, Oracle networks. Well, we know but we
0: know for sure, Bikram, that their Oracle the system, system has wanted. been
8: battle-tested. Yeah, it's the most
0: battle-tested Oracle system like around. So we know the Oracle system, but yes, the CCIP infrastructure, is it perfect? Is it not perfect yet? That remains to be seen. But it basically creates trustless node networks as your layer one. That's, that can yes, transact yes. CCIP assets all over the place to any chain or whatever, but there is some like you have to wait for the finality of the various chains to finalize transactions though. But
6: yeah, yeah. so the
12: data, so so it's not necessarily tokens; it's just the I. IM- I am. I'm paying for the service of transmuting data that's between two different chains, and I'm Correct. paying in CCR or Chainlink to then transmute data yes. between these two different. Chainlink is the okay. gas,
0: the what they call the universal gas token between. So, so the the end user or the chain that is doesn't have to necessarily like, you know, have all the different coins at their disposal to transmit from one to the other. They just because Chainlink.
12: Chainlink already posted their link exactly. so Chainlink actually has to set up an agreement on those chains in order to create a, a chain link contract. And then this is the thing that yep. they listen to events on. And yep. then their node network is the one that's paid to, exactly. to basically post these event feeds between t- two different channels. Exactly. And then I use their APIs to sort of do whatever routing that I do on their Oracle network. Exactly. And that's not a blockchain. So it's just an API layer. It's an end layer that that sort of okay yep, cool, cool okay that actually makes a lot and of it sense. does make a lot
0: of sense because yeah. right now in Cosmos the 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 like I hate to say it and fud my own bags and whatever but like the Cosmos user experience is every single um, IBC channel is quite literally a channel between one chain to the next but only for that one token so it's like I told <laughs> this to, uh,
12: I told the, I'm in I, I talked to Sunny like probably on a weekly basis. Yeah. And I've been telling him, I'm like, like, so do I have to like talk to you personally, like on, in your like New York house and talk to you about like how to make an IBC? Cause it doesn't seem like any way that I can just documentation. Really do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like there doesn't seem like, and I, when you look at the IBC documentation, it's, it's a theory. It's like, it's like, it's like reading the Bitcoin white paper. I'm like, so what is this? this is my, my, do I have to, this is my
0: other complaint yeah. about Cosmos and people have talked about this is that like, while there's great tech there. Uh, finding the fucking documentation is a whole nother thing. And so like what I the other thing I liked about what Chainlink was doing was that they're built out entire like documentation set. They're trying to make it easy. They put like a whole bunch of YouTube videos and lessons and shit, the whole nine yards, like there's a bunch of stuff to teach you exactly what to do to implement, which is great. You probably understand
8: that. Like, you know, every project in Cosmos, they are poor in documentations. You just need to observe like Hundreds of project, like ninety nine percent project, don't have the proper documentations. It's like you know Bitcoin white paper. Similarly, it's uh, exactly
0: it's not so much the white paper. What what Dylan's talking about is like more the code implementation details and whatnot. And you know, well, the
12: implementation is different for everybody using IBC because IBC gives you a plain document that says this is the method in which you should approach the problem to 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 have a consensus message between two different like consensus engines. Now those engines might be able to sort of come to some agreement and saying, yeah, this is our trusted IBC layer, but it's a trusted port and channel that you and everyone else has to opt into. So when you have the Kepler wallet, you're basically opting into a very specific relayer. And that specific relayer is built by no one else, but the chains that are operated by those foundations. And so like, they're the only ones actually making it open source, but it's actually a methodology. and that methodology is known by no one but them. And I've told this to them. I was like, if if I'm going to build an IBD <laughs> yeah. channel where I'm the one doing it and I'm just some dude, then how? And then the documentation, they say, well, it's all open source. You can go and look at it. I'm like, well, the implementation is different. If I have a different chain that's doing it, then how am I supposed to relay that method over to another protocol, unless I'm sitting in the same room with them. Right. That just seems problematic and doesn't yes. seem to scale. And this is so- exactly
0: why when I saw CCIP, I'm like, holy fuck! You don't even have to make a channel between for each coin and each token and every chain. All you have to do is incorporate the CCIP main code, and all that happens is, and now you have access to the universe of, you know, all the shit that that connects. It'd be like hooking, like it'd be like you have a computer and it has like a USB cable yes. on it and now you can connect sure. to anything else with the USB, or you just like hook up your ethernet, now you're hooked up to the internet. Um, that's a much more like scalable scenario and much more useful, quite frankly, because like, it, you know, because all these implementations take time. Like I know Sommelier Network, Zucky uh, incorporated both, they have IBC and they have um, CCIP. Um, so Zucky Mannion, if you want to like message him, he'll tell you what they did and what they didn't do uh, as far as how they did it. But like, I can see where like, um, you know, like if you if you have CCIP, the beauty is like now you can bring in all sorts of assets into play that you wouldn't otherwise have. And the beauty is every asset that any chain has added into CCIP, you now have access to, which is nuts, right? Like gold stocks, um, whatever the fuck it is. Like you can basically connect to everything, which yes, is yes. like, I don't see how that's not ultra bullish. This is, like,
8: this, is, like, this is why it's a best, you know, this is why chain link is the best for the RWA.
0: Yeah. Like even people's RWA lists, when people talk about RWA, they think about some random microcaps. but really the biggest player in the RWA space now with the highest likelihood of implementing any of this is probably Chainlink now because they have the right info. Plus they did the other thing too, Dylan, they, they did um, proof of reserves. So they have a proof of reserves um, thing too. So the thing on Chainlink now is they have about eight, I think eight different products. One of them is a ZK roll-up, I think system called Deco. I don't know exactly what the tech is for that but it's supposed to add like the ability to kyc people leave your information in a private layer so that like you can do certain transactions but nobody knows you know it's like putting your driver's license in there but nobody knows um your exact data but you you know you can prove you are who you are and shit like that kyc and different things but they added like about eight different products together and then like made it pretty easy to connect to any one of these things they have cross-chain nft code so if you you know all of that stuff so like really interesting how they they thought about like they thought about this clearly very deeply and over a very long period of time and what i realized dylan is like none of these messaging systems make full sense without an actual oracle system in them because it it limits them in certain ways and when you built oracles first and then you did all this other shit i don't know it's pretty magnificent shit to me like i think it's like well, you yeah.
12: well in the process of building a bridge, and you don't want anything to do with XCM or IVC, you end up realizing that anyway. Like through my building yep. process, I ended up realizing like I do need an oracle right now. And I looked at all my options. I was like, all right. Somebody suggested from BNB to look at Pith, and I was like, eh. And then I looked at Chainlink. Obvious answer. I asked some of the foundations, "Are you working with them?" They said yes. Yeah. Some of them said no. I was like, okay and then you know you, know, you, move you could forward. also
0: ask is ask the guys at GMX they're pretty nice they're they're a dex they're a uh, per- perps platform and they inc- implemented it and the comment they made on spaces with uh there was a chainlink spaces with them on i think and they talked about why like you know it mattered to use chainlink for them as like a both high quality oracle service and the ccip service and they really went into it pretty deep and felt like it was the only option that they had for a high grade system. So I don't know. That's pretty good, like a pretty good reference. Cause they do a lot of like rapid trades and whatnot, and they need like a pretty reliable
6: system anyway. Um, Zinn, were you going to say something?
4: Uh, numbers, stats, statistics,
3: leveraging CRA, ARP, <laughs> a uh, bunch of fucking nerds in here nerd alert it
0: nerds. it's nerd alert right now like but it's nerd day though that's a thing
3: if you love if you love finances so much why don't you marry it fucking losers i kind of did
0: look at look at me sitting around here talking with you dorks i sort of did already it's a little bit late for that okay you call Milady
11: a lady a dork um all right so- <laughs> What I have to say is round number theory is kind of bullshit to me. I mean, 50K is the same as 49, same as 51 to me. Um, know, it's, just, I, it's just I, a title. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's a good title. I saw it and I hopped in. I also saw <laughs> lovely, illustrious, Intani speaking, so I had to hop in. Um, all right. So can you explain to me, in simple terms,
6: what an Oracle does besides price um, matching? Um, This use of an Oracle in like finance, um,
0: but it can do other things such as make sure that let's say, I don't know, like weather data comes in accurately, or you know any kind of like data feed. In theory, Uh, Oracle essentially implies like it's a source of truth, so that the number that flows through that you believe it. That's the main like definition of it. And how do you connect an Oracle to trusted sources? That, you know, from the real world, for example, weather or, you know, like you know, the price of you know, lettuce at your grocery store or something like that is you would connect it to some database or some other trusted source that you believe is real. Um, that's about it, really. I mean, that's, but it's not as easy as it sounds in the sense that, like, to make it really work, you'd have to have a lot of adoption of that Oracle with lots of different systems. And the more systems you add to that network, the more likely the next system is going to come join your network it's basically network effect it's like you know the more people that own bitcoin or mine it like the more people that are going to own bitcoin and mine it same thing um the more people that own apple phones et cetera. like so the the, so you you we get this feedback loop of the more implementations you get of both ccip and oracles the more likely other people are gonna be like "Fuck, i need to get into this because like you know i want to get access to you know, circle USDC I, or
8: whatever. Can I say something like the healthcare industry? Like, healthcare industries also is it necessary to use oracles, you know, for their data. And there is a huge. To an extent.
0: Um, yeah, I guess it depends on what you're trying to do. Healthcare industry has a lot of implications. Like, there's a lot of different things. Um, the biggest issue with healthcare industry typically is the privacy layer. And that's where public blockchains are not very useful. Um, and privacy tech in the blockchain space, uh, has been an area of like a lot of innovation the last five to 10 years. And some of that's coming to fruition because like you, you may not, you may want to be able to put in information about yourself to make sure that you qualify for, let's say a certain drug or whatever. But, um, at the same time, you don't want that information known to everybody around. Yes. And uh, having having partial reveals of your information to certain people and not others, all that kind of stuff is yeah. is a hard thing to
8: create. You know, the, like with healthcare providers and the IoT devices to some applications like, you know, the patient centric healthcare management or something like that, you know, that they can aggregate like, you know, medical records or something. And, this is the this is Oracle is blockchain oracles or sorry the oracles like Chainlink is important for the healthcare industries.
0: I think the first like main push Chainlink is doing for the next years appears to be mainly trying to incorporate the biggest finance players, which would be things like DTCC for stocks and Swift for banking. If they can achieve even a fraction of any of that, then they become sort of like the global base layer. Um, that won't be Ethereum or Solana or whoever. Like it'll be whoever can provide a combination of oracles and network infrastructure to connect any everything to everything, and then blockchains can connect to that as well for the purposes of blockchain. So, for example, immutability—you know, whether it's public or private ledgers. So blockchains have certain functions, and that what they don't function great at is as general computing platforms. They just don't. So that's where, like, people have been coming up with execution layers and data availability layers and all sorts of shit um, as a side thing to it. But Dylan, yeah, go ahead.
12: I was also going to just, like, give a typical example. Like, um, when I was speaking on NFT, they, these guys basically said that it's, 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 oracles are really perfect for, um, like, off-chain data aggregation for dynamic NFTs. So if you have a, if you have an NFT that's, like, like the seasons of the weather, then it like this off chain oracle is basically getting in feed from like your San Diego County and it's looking at the weather and then the NFT changes naturally because the the NFT wherever the image is stored, it flips between probably four different storage store items and those storage items are like fall, winter, spring, summer, winter and so on and you know this nft basically just says okay if i see that some off-chain source says that the weather is now winter the nft storage now changes and then that actually reflects in your wallet but it doesn't actually affect anything that's directly on chain. why does it need it's um, just mainly why does it need chain link instead of just weather kit by apple because um according From what I can understand is is that the the need for the Oracle is so that you can connect directly to to the contract itself. So you have a proof that the contract is actually taking data. It's a proof of API. So like my API that's connected to the weather channel, then this Oracle proves by statement in some degree on chain in some way that, hey, I'm actually sourcing information about weather. And I'm actually posting an update to the contract based on this API that's coming from this Oracle network and this Oracle network is basically creating a proof between all of their other links, which is like a bunch of nodes that says, yes, I agree that the weather is now winter spring anymore. Thus, every single time this contract sees that change in this Oracle network, it, uh, it updates its own feed and whoever's owned that NFT, it's not like the NFT exactly changes the contract exactly changes. It could just be the IPFS image, but sometimes it can influence and do off-chain execution. So when Oracle does have the ability, if you give it the permission to, it can actually influence and do off-chain execution for the contract itself. So if you see a ping of Bitcoin ETF hitting 50,000, you might need an Oracle feed that looks at that ETF and if it hits $50 for GBTT, then you might want to sell your Bitcoin holdings and wrap Bitcoin on Ethereum. So, that's wherever that's So
11: basically, oracles mm-hmm. are vaccine passports that control the weather?
8: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Maybe. There's another way to look at it too is that like, let's say there's uptime issues too. So let's say you connect to Apple weather or something, whatever, right? What if their server goes down? You have a problem. Um, so part of the thing about decentralized networks is their uptime. You want to have like hundred percent ideally so that your system doesn't break or some fraction of your system doesn't break because it's not working. Um, So that's a factor. The other thing is like attack vectors, you know, how hard is it to DDoS an Oracle or something so that it makes it un, you know, unfit for service or something, or like, like, or maybe there's data aggregation, like what if you don't believe that like, apple weather uses the proper weather network you need to be on get information from multiple weather networks and then like aggregate that data so you could do that in an oracle level now the the person making the nft they don't want to build a fucking weather network they certainly don't want to connect create all the oracle network so what you're doing is you're creating an intermediary service that somebody else can use um for their project or their their business or whatever and there's other things too like oracles are involved with other things like for example let's say you had like you know, sports data or something like that, or, you know, there's all sorts of things. And
8: the content ownerships, like, you know, in future, if you possibility, like, you know, web three platforms, social platforms, because of the data privacy things, and these source Facebook and other applications can convert convert into the web three platforms. But the content ownerships need data Oracle feeds, you know, without Oracle feed, you cannot generate the content rights, you know, or anybody can fake and use AI and copy your content and paste it. And with the oracles, you can detect it and claim their ownerships with the oracles.
6: That's correct. Well, that's also sort of like a different
0: problem. CCIP, for example, if I issue an NFT into the CCIP ecosystem, then you know, like, you know for sure that like that's the official one. Um, and you know, it came from the official, uh, desk, like location, say for example, DTCC issues stocks, right? That they do this for brokerages across America. So if they issue a stock, someone else makes up a, you know, Apple stock, it's, you know, it's called Apple stock and it's sitting somewhere. Um, is that the real one or is it the fake one? That's the question you're going to have to ask. And CCIP can guarantee you, that this came from DTCC for sure and not just some random source. And there could be fake ones floating around as well, like synthetic stocks, whatever. But you want the real one. You want to make sure it's a DTCC version. You'll be able to get that for sure. Um, And DTCC will issue those stocks into the tokenized form via CCIP and they have a signature that that clarifies that that is in fact them or whatever. I also
12: want (laughs) to agree that we're the same price too. Like I also want to make sure that we're sharing the same because if I have two different apps that are using the yeah. same them are good. But usually, like, for example, if I'm trying to just get the simple price feed of Uniswap, I like I have to go to coin marketplace to actually pay for like the amount of transactions of requesting that data. And that usually sometimes like on an enterprise level, it costs like six thousand dollars a month just to get a price feed, which is crazy. And so if I want to agree with the rest of the people on what the actual price is, Oracles are really good for like actually getting an application that's decentralized the real price feed based on what everyone else can agree with and that might come from a trusted source who knows what that trusted source is i mean it's it's a source that we can all agree on at least though and that's sort of what makes it valuable because like i i don't have any disputes like if i say that bitcoin is worth 50 and you say that it's worth 51 and you're getting it from some other source and i don't understand why then there could be arbitrage that's done there. But if I trust that me and all these other applications are trusting the same data about uh wait, a statement about the same data, then we can at least sort of agree on on what that price is, and that's definitely one way we can we can have like a a, a consensus because data is very important. Data can be sold. Data can be traded. Data can be uh, moved. Data can be a lot of things. And now in in this Oracle level, data now can be owned. And so whoever owns the data, this is a different level of ownership. So if I own data that no one else has access to, I can trade that depth ship with other people. And because access to data, now I as a user who have access to provide that data in a decentralized way, then potentially people can pay my wallet address for that data if I own that link. That's correct.
0: So that's, that's the thing with CCIP in theory is that you could have smart contract Uh, activities happening in the background that if that data were to be used by somebody, say for example an NFT project, you know how you've seen these NFT projects, some of them want to have royalties and all that shit, right? So you could basically programmatically have that happen in the background, CCIP takes care of like those details, and it won't matter which chain you're on because it's not happening at the chain level, it's happening at the CCIP level, and then you could pay out royalties or whatever, and then there's a contract for that. So there's some interesting um there's like interesting capabilities a layer zero sort of network offers that blockchain networks don't and that's that's a big part of what's happening there but now here's the thing dylan like you know here here i am like a like a crazy person buying a bunch of link token at the bottom and i'm like i think it's going to moon that doesn't mean it's going to like the general public knows what the fuck i'm talking about or like that that's going to result in a bunch of people buying it what i do know is that like looking at who will understand this sort of thing it'll be the so-called smart money the hedge funds the bankers the gbtc you know the gray scales gales of the world they have a, a you know a coin of this on the you know on the stock exchange um it'll be those type of groups that um like i'm hoping are going to buy my bag later which is highly probable because like the smart money puts out like buys with tons of money right the solana type crowd is going to buy with like you know like a lot of people buying small amounts, whereas people that buy Chainlink will be usually smaller number of people with large amounts of money. It's a different group. It's so from an investment perspective, That's, I bought it because I felt like- It's like, you know,
8: risk. the Chainlink is like, you know, I just read about like last seven to eight months. It's like they are the oxygen in this blockchain industry. The blockchain industry grow, Chainlink will also grow similarly. You know, when the use cases, the real life use cases grow, Chainlink use cases also grow. It's like the oxygen of this blockchain industry, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's like life wouldn't work without like water and oxygen or something. So, like, th- you have to have these sort of capabilities. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, you know how the internet's connected to lots of different things? It's connected to data, st- you know, storage, it's connected to compute, it's connected to whatever. And it's all shit, in our fucking
3: oceans and fucking wires. Mm-hmm. I thought it was in the air.
0: Yep. It is in the oceans. Yeah, it's correct. all
3: all in these little tiny and and sometimes they break, and people swim down and go fix the wires.
0: Apparently, they that one breaks every ten minutes or something around the what? world. It's like a nonstop thing. Yeah, they break all the time. It's very interesting. The internet is uh, as it turns out requires a lot of maintenance to keep everything connected.
12: <laughs> well, also, like another, I just thought of this. Like, look how uh, how valuable google analytics is and all they're doing is just aggregating data and making it available to people who want to actually optimize their business see so dylan you just took
3: something interesting and made it really nerdy and not interesting
8: uh, well, well, it's, something it's, sense. It's, so i don't even
3: understand what you're
4: saying like what are the words what are you saying
8: well
12: you know when you have a business on google and you look it up on google No. You don't ever use Google?
3: I don't. I don't. Oh, when I look up someone else's business. Okay. I follow. I'm following. Okay. Like you're going to go. Let's keep this up. Right. Yep.
12: You look up like a haircut salon and who shows up? Like the one that has the most haircuts or the one that has the best haircuts? You know, like what, what salon do you want to go to? And those preferences, your data about you is being sold to companies and so that they can get and cater to your interest. And this is called Google analytics and search engine So people buy your data so that they can sell you on certain products and services that you are going to go and attend. And that's, I that's love how that. sales works. Oh so, uh, yeah. But I need of more your- of that. that.
3: Actually I get uh, erectile dysfunction ads. I've gotten erectile dysfunction ads my entire life. I don't have a fucking penis. Um, I need more like perfumes, cute clothes.
6: Right. Blame blame Google. And so
12: your data, instead of you not selling your data and people buying your data where all of your privacy is no longer in the control of your hands. Instead, you can sell your data to the people who want your data and you can make a profit on the things and interests that you have. I don't need to sell
3: it, but someone needs to buy it better because someone's selling bad data for me and that bugs me.
12: Well, that's the problem with the internet, that it doesn't know how to preference you because the internet is like a giant, commingled spaghetti monster of, of data that it doesn't know what Yeah, But, but what speaking
3: of which, to. do you guys always get erectile dysfunction ads like everywhere?
12: Uh, no.
11: You I guys can't. do too? No, no, no. I Pepe does. That, you guys don't? Isn't the one that i something like? Are the single MILFs near me four miles away? No credit card. I never get that. Simply message and ask the fuck.
4: Why do they,
3: why, why, so they think I'm a sexually active guy that struggles with coming too fast. Like, I don't understand what I possibly could have, this has been going on since I well, was a teenager. It doesn't stop. Like,
4: these do, ads follow me.
12: Do you have a boyfriend? Like This is a, not a personal question, but do you have a
4: friend? Right now? Uh, no.
12: Well, if do you have a man around you that has erectile dysfunction and is no. talking to your yes. friend? okay
3: uh i dated one who you know he was funny he used to yell after he'd scream about it
8: maybe he, he got that disease and he searched so maybe, your computer.
12: yeah and then google knows that you had a boyfriend who can't can't and and uh, and now they're going to sell you because they think that they know the men that you'd like to date. So that's why you're probably getting all these ads, because maybe, you know, somebody they, close, they, they uh, want me
3: to roofie a fucking man with
4: with uh, what is he even called? The, it's, um, because
12: it's because Zintani only
6: dates betas.
4: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, ish. I, was, I don't I was like the quasi, I don't quasi- like that.
3: I don't like the alpha alpha guy. They, they suck ass, dude. They really suck ass.
4: And they're stupid. They're usually really dumb. I'm not into that. I like the smart. I like the smart ones.
12: Like the nerdy ones. No, right?
4: they don't. Yes. No, the, the smart nerdy, ones
12: the
3: that ones, don't talk yes. about boring, nerdy shit. Uh, the smart, smart ones that talk about smart. Beta shit.
11: Jeez, Zintani, you're making me blush.
0: What, she, what she's really looking for is like someone that's like a deep, deep, ultra nerd inside, but doesn't sound like it normally.
4: They're so nerdy with their
0: smart, but not too. Smart. Their their They're social ability. But not too
11: Actually, Zintani once confessed to me that she's looking for a Chinese
6: man.
4: I never said that. I've never uh, stipulated any race preference.
8: I know you would consider from, it. Consider it. From how I, McLovin, my friend, you can date him.
4: I don't, I, how did this conversation go from wires in the ocean to like, well, I don't
3: need, I'm monster. fine. I don't okay. have a boyfriend, yeah, but a I'm good.
11: Are there actually monsters in the bottom of the ocean? harvesting our data and then they're going to turn yo
3: for real though did you guys know hold on this blew my mind if you didn't know this don't pretend like you did don't pretend don't be an asshole and pretend like you knew this if you did if you didn't squids have a bite force stronger than a fucking lion and they will come up into your ship pull you under and fucking eat you like in seconds i thought dude He's like people that, fishermen fishermen aren't scared of sharks sharks can't do shit what is a shark gonna do unless you like swim up to it and like put yourself in its fucking mouth squids will come up in your ship pull you funny, under and you bite sure? through your bones are you they, sure you are did you know that technical porn no i would what what did you did anyone in here know that they have a bite for they will bite through your fucking bones like it's nothing
11: i, I thought they had sharp teeth i didn't know they could bite
3: they bite hard and they pull you down they'll come they up into beak. your boat pull you down and they, they hunt a beak, there's, a, there's a there's there's a species <laughs> of giant squid that you know how some animals hunt in packs these, spe- this species, it's not the biggest squid, but they hunt in packs of up to thousands.
11: You know what they're called? Yo,
3: I had no idea. That is fucking terrible. Imagine thousands of large squids as big as you coming up into your ship, pulling you under and fucking eating you. That shit happens. Did you guys know that? thousands i guess my, You're I guess getting, my, like, my
5: crypto f- f- earnings plans for a yacht this isn't
3: this now. isn't some pineal gland shit like this is like actually real fucking life i had no idea i i literally if i had been if i'm not scared of really anything so in the no,
0: ocean. no boats for it, you no,
3: no i would but like before knowing this i would be the dumbass like
4: oh look it's a cute little squid it's like an octopus no oh my god
6: yeah, that thing doesn't give a shit what it eats. Probably
4: they will fuck you up, and they're yeah. fucking smart, and they That's hunt the in
3: packs of thousands. Like, do hold on—is anyone in here registering what I'm saying? This is insane. That there are animals as big as us in the ocean that swim around like like fucking insects, as Save in the
4: thousands.
5: I'm actually going to tell they're my the cousin de- at FEMA about this to to see if we can
6: put any initiatives in place.
4: There's a clip of yes. a guy.
6: Yeah. female will fix everything. There's a t- aware. Wait, wait pin, the, pin the
11: clip of a guy getting eaten by a squid.
3: Yeah. There's a clip of a guy who escaped like four of them. Okay. And he's lucky because they do, they really do go up into the thousands, which is fucking insane. I don't understand how that's even possible, but uh, he is, he, four of them were attacking him and you can hear the whole clip. He's like moaning and like, because it, like, fucking hurts. They were, like, snapping him around and pulling him down. And um, his webcam saved his life because the the squid, like, chomped down and got his webcam instead of his bone. But they dislocated his wrist like it was nothing. That, it, dude. It
11: sounds a lot like tentacle porn. What it sounds like is that lions don't have that strong of a bite. If a fucking tentacle,
5: they, they actually don't. Hyenas have a, a stronger bite force, and so do uh, like Argentine tegus and a number of other lizards. So, Dude. Great Dane.
0: Uh, no, crypto um, poet said that. By the way, the um,
6: the bigger the squid, like the better the uh, calamari. And there's always a bigger fish. There's no way that's true.
4: I just had no
3: idea that the real threat of the ocean was squids. I really had no fucking idea. It I makes it was sense. It makes sense. All of those old pictures with the giant squids that come up. I thought it was just like mythology bullshit, but obviously was inspired because, yeah, I mean, like, who would be scared of a shark compared to something well, pulling you, you have out that of shit your shit?
0: Once you're going to tell stories about it for thousands of years, right? Oh yeah. Like, it might only happen once, but you're going to tell that story fucking a lot. No. Your friend gets sucked down by this tentacle beast. Yeah.
4: No, sure. I mean, apparently who, who this wins? is they, they do wins? this.
0: 20 orcas or 100
6: squids.
4: Oh, man, I don't fucking you know.
6: The I don't know. Bro, I would go with the orcas, actually, because be the orcas. orcas-
12: yeah, because the orcas are more agile. Like, even if the squid gets the hang of the tentacle, it's a little a tiny beak. Even though it's Dude, strong, it might take a little chunk. You out. have
5: to side with the mammals. Are you kidding? Dude, they're fast as hell, man. They're, and and they're like the serial killers of the ocean. Have you ever seen them And they're yeah. smart hunting seals. It's ridiculous.
3: Orca, Orca are really, really smart, too. I know squids are, but I don't think they're smart in the same way. Apparently, I mean, I've orcas- seen an orca. I've seen an orca use a fish, keep it alive in its mouth, pop it out so that it could uh, eat a bird that came down. Like that. Wait, does that-
12: the squid have the same brain as the octopus, though? Because the octopus is still pretty smart. But is it the same type I of think, brain? I, think, oh, no,
3: or- I thought exactly. octopi were more intelligent, but I no, guess the, the I don't orcas- know shit. Orcas
5: actually calculate like? Like plans of attack. I mean, it's it's you know well,
11: they're, they're like the a more decentralized the intelligence because each of their eight arms. <laughs> um, that's no, I'm serious. That's why they can crawl into those jars really easily.
12: I mean, to be honest, they got they kind of actually got like tendermint
6: consensus. Yeah, since so <laughs> imagine limited.
12: if they had decentralized intelligence with oracles.
7: <laughs> yeah, oracle. if,
3: if if you look at um, orca and whales. I really think if if those dudes hadn't if they'd been like water breathers Opposable or thumbs. they had thumbs, yeah, we wouldn't be I don't think we'd be number 1. I mean, that really sucks. they have to go yeah, up they're, for they're air every, filed, every 10 minutes.
5: Prehensile.
3: Did you know that? That's fucking what? 10 minutes they need to come up for air what? every
5: hours
11: s- for some will.
3: Nope. 10 minutes. They're fucked. Like the way their makeup is Zen Zinn, you got to
5: check the I, numbers on that i'm i'm unsure about go that. look
3: it up go look it up well, look, usually look, what look happens at, is look, uh, at like,
5: look at like sperm whales they i mean they dive down to like like the bottom middle of the abyssal plain it takes some fucking time
3: blue so. whales need to come up every 10 to 15 minutes
5: and sperm whales by the way hunt squid i don't know about squid,
3: sperm whales so. but it, i'm i d- i doubt it's too far off
5: their secret is erectile dysfunction
0: medication
3: sperm whales
0: maybe that's how she's getting oh she's looking up whales whales she's looking up i'm not looking up
3: whales on google i know this shit look at my bio sperm whales you know what
0: i'm saying is but that's how maybe you got like maybe you got like a whale desktop picture or something and now you're getting like erectile dysfunction messages from google analytics for your rest of your life
3: sperm whales are interesting because they have the most complex uh language on the planet which no one knows which is also really, really fucking interesting yes they use time dilation in their language i thought
5: it was i thought why did i think it was humpback
9: it whales? is
3: more I, complex I whale, it is more humpback whales as well it is but sperm whales use time dilation in their in their language and it's what more complex mean? than Mandarin. So like Rotations. if I were to say, they understand. So like if you were, if I were to tell you like, count five seconds, you would do an okay job, but it would probably suck like really bad, right? They, they use, they have such a grasp on time that they, one word, if I say word, and then I say word, those are two different
8: words. Where did you read this thing?
3: Um, when I was, when I was studying, uh, neuro, as soon as, as soon as we were looking at animal brains, I mean, whale, as soon as you get to whales and or- orca, it's just fucking wild that these things exist with us on earth and we don't talk about it. So I, it's been a fascination of mine kind of co- coinciding with the fascination with neuroscience.
5: Hey Zinn, uh-huh. Wikipedia is telling me that sperm whales can hold their breath for up to two hours, but on average, about forty-five oh, minutes. Maybe that's yeah. different than
6: orcas. It might be different than orcas. So,
4: no, it was blue. It's blue whales that are ten to fifteen. The, I mean, Ooh, like I can yeah. see that. I can see that. I don't know how far
3: removed blue whales are from sperm whales genetically
5: i mean they're they're baleen whales right And baleen whales that probably aren't diving all the way down to the the middle of the abyss so i would assume that they're not really that
6: similar probably more similar to orcas sorry am i making this too nerdy no i'm just thinking potentially i think we should like i don't know where the line is
0: drawn really
12: the redefinition of a Bitcoin whale might need to go to the squid category. I, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to feel like squids are a superior race.
5: Hold uh, hold on now. Hold on. Hold population. on. Sefi,
12: Sefi, you're
6: technically a whale, right? What <laughs> okay. Of whale? I'll bite. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um,
0: I don't know. A squid whale? Some sort of hybrid? I or what's that dinosaur of, called? Megalodon of, or something.
8: Technically, I am kind it's of
6: Bitcoin shark. salmon. A Bitcoin salmon, yeah. Is, is more Bitcoin of your net worth in Bitcoin or Chainlink?
5: Oh, Bitcoin. Really? So you just have like a giant Bitcoin bag from like the dawn of Bitcoin history that you've
0: never touched? Yeah, just don't mess with it. Yeah, it's just whatever. Because, like, there's always something new and fun to play with. That's the key. It's not really about, like, dwelling on what your shit you own is. It's, like, more fun investigating new stuff and watch number go up over and over and over again. It's more fun.
3: Oh, my God. Orca need to breathe every minute when they're moving around because they're exerting so much energy. But they're also similar to blue whales. But they cap out at 10 minutes. Jesus. Five to 10 minutes.
6: Don't blue whales like hibernate?
12: Like, aren't they like mammals in a lot of ways? Don't they do the same kind of thing that like they are mammals? Typical. All whales are mammals. They're the same, right? Got it. Okay. So the pot. There's potential that whales can go on to the earth, then, or is that like already happened in evolution, where something that's like us, that is us. So we are whales.
5: Probably not whales specifically, but I don't know, maybe manatees,
12: something we don't similar. Have a, like, we, don't have any, we don't have any genetic sort of resemblance with a whale. The
5: consensus is that some mammalian species uh, moved out of the water um, tens or, or maybe hundreds of millions of years ago uh, and then evolved into rodent-like creatures and then eventually us. So That's the we aquatic have, ape.
6: Hypothesis,
11: yes. That, that, yeah, basically, the, monkey in the jungle forced us into the water.
12: Yeah, that's exactly right. And we have like, we have zero knowledge proof of this phenomenon.
4: Of what? Of evolution?
6: No, the aquatic ape hypothesis.
4: Aquatic ape? What is that?
6: It's the return the monkey, basically.
11: Humans live by rivers in the ocean because and adapted hairless bodies because uh, we were forced out and we found our niche and fishing and so
7: forth.
4: Oh. Okay. It also
5: has to do with our affinity for water as well, though, right? Like, you know, a lot of other mammalian species are pretty water intolerant. Not so sure about an aquatic ape, but I think that there is a
6: large segment of our evolutionary history that's from the water, but, you know whatever.
4: I I don't know what you mean by that. I feel like you throw anyone into the middle of the water
3: anywhere and they're fucked. If there's he something said, in he, there that wants I, to eat I'm,
5: I'm them. A sort of my place to be. It depends on whether or not they're neutral buoyancy or not.
8: Or not. So you, you mean, are saying Ancestrosal Anc, that woman?
3: You are not out swimming a fucking crocodile or an alligator. Like, you're fucked. I put you in the middle of water anywhere and put an orca or a squid or a shark or anything. You're fucked.
11: No, you just punch them in the nose really hard.
7: Square in
5: the the nose.
4: How are you going to punch them in the nose hard underwater?
5: Right in the kisser. Underwater? You swim more and you get a
11: little bit of air and then catapult down basically with the inertia and
8: how the <laughs> under, underwater toilet things happen you know I, for, I, I
3: forgot every man alive it is very insistent that if you put him in a cage I can beat a yeah if you put him in a cage with a gorilla he's he's gonna win he comes out winning that every oh, man is convinced it. of this yeah
4: okay
12: wasn't that you're not, you're not a man isn't that what we already proved, that like Harambe could be chill and it's us humans that were the problem? No,
11: I, the, that's not what we proved and that's not what she was saying. What she was saying is that I could fuck Harambe up in a fight.
3: Every man thinks that he would win. For some reason, every man thinks that he could kill a gorilla in a 1v1 death match.
8: No, no man thinks like that. That's yeah, too I, I don't. I've so, th- I have do, like, like, never met a man like, d- yeah. who like, yeah. seen Nick,
4: Nickman no
8: is. I
12: well, I can agree that it sounds cool to say, but like, hell no, I'm not winning. I maybe I can be really chill with a gorilla because I've seen like clips on like Instagram of like people smoking a joint with gorillas. You're gonna win they, him over then.
11: I
8: cannot. Yeah, yeah, be- and
12: then maybe he's off. All- and i can just like
8: forget about going no you
12: have no bananas and you're in a cage bro if i'm gonna kill the gorilla like hell no like if, if if there's a single banana like i'm not touching that banana like no no part of my instinct says like take the banana yeah
0: no fucking way huh you'd rather starve to death
12: it's not just
3: gorillas it's like even like dogs like if you like my dog if she like she doesn't understand that she's a killing machine, but if she wanted to, like she could you if I put her if I like gave her rabies or something, put her in a cage with a man, she'd fucking kill him.
5: Uh, I'm I'm really curious. Yes, absolutely what you have now.
4: <laughs>
5: Zintani what is recorded? I can't ask. You. Zintani, what breed of dog do well, you have? Please she's tell a, me. She's a
4: Samoyed. She's a
3: Samoyed. Okay. No, yeah, she's me. got sometimes I look at her jaws and I'm like, you why are you so sweet like you're a killing machine
4: like you're built to kill
8: You need uh, to touch his ball he will show you his true face You know your but, dog you need to touch his ball it, it, it,
3: It's actually has- one of the things that's made me very interesting or interested in the evolution is like I can see bizarre changes in evolution we've made in dogs like dogs don't make sense like they're so sweet and they're so they're like pack animals but you're the head of the pack and it's like how have you or like they know how to tug they know that like if you if you give them a toy they tug on it and now we're bonding it's well, like
5: it's, it's a, weird it's because they're it's because they're a, a social animal i mean I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily unique to dogs you can see
3: no orcas it,
5: and dolphins being playful
0: like that too and they have a lot of no lot of wolves don't behave yeah this way. They're, they're definitely behaviorally, genetically
8: like, In, in India, sir, Sophie, I just want to say, in India, even dogs are also scammer, you know? They just want to eat from you, and they just go run away from you. You just want <laughs> Apple
0: gift yeah, cards. Well, they're just emulating their owners. This is what's going on down there.
3: It's It's so <laughs> funny that we haven't done the same with cats. Like, cats don't give a fuck. They really just... And it's because cat people just love cats. They don't care. Dog people need their dog to be a certain way.
12: In Egypt, we praise them, you know, and like, and now that cats have slit eyes when like all non-domesticated cats don't have slit eyes, like lions have gold pupils. And then for some reason, our little house kitty named Tinkle has a slit eye. So there's some like. It's actually a different subspecies,
5: right? So you have, you have like, you have, you have large cats and small cats, and they're actually on a, a
6: totally different, like, uh, evolutionary path. Uh, they split off a long time ago, um, like Paleolithic period, long time ago. I mean, like long ass time. No, ago. in
11: um, Animal Planet's top ten most extreme, they rated the house cat as the like most extreme killer because it hunts for sport.
3: Oh yeah. Uh- Uh, They found that um, the same part of your brain or a mammal's brain that finds things funny, cats, um, that part of their brain fires when they play with food, like when it's like kind
4: of dead, but they're keeping it alive. Interesting.
6: That's um...
8: where did you read this again?
6: It's the same reason why.
3: I don't know why you speak. say that. Well, you keep saying this. I, I, yeah, I studied. I studied neuroscience for years and years and years of my life, and I remember like random facts. It we might. It might be. be might. I, you can just Google it. If I'm wrong, it's possible I'm wrong or slightly wrong about some of these things. They're just things no, I've read not, over the years.
11: Dogs have this trait, too, where that's why they like squeaky toys, apparently, because it sounds like a mammal squealing for its breath.
4: Wait, what'd you say?
11: That the reason dogs like these squeaky chew toys is because it sounds like a mammal, like, squealing for its life.
4: Yeah, I mean humans aren't far off. Like if aliens
3: kept us us as pets, they'd find it weird that we have video games to entertain ourselves where we're doing terrible things or like what what do people do in Grand Theft Auto? It's like when you have full control over or even like girls, what do twelve year old girls do when they can play with Sims? They fucking lock them in the house and light it on fire and stick them in the pool and get rid of the and then watch them slowly it drown. That. It's like people are yeah, you now we all do the same thing from
5: reality. I think you're talking about some like real psychological extremes here.
3: No, we're you know, d- what? I mean, this been... isn't human nature. I
5: don't, made uh, a, made a good point. I don't think that everyone's inherently like got primary psychopathy, you know? I mean, it's that's... not
3: psychopathy, it's not psychopathy. <laughs> it's we're Our animals we're animals in the same way a dog Omnibor. chooses a toy and it, it gives them a dopamine release because of death that's genetically programmed into us as the same or into them it doesn't mean they're going to kill you I, I
5: certainly think war and conflict is genetically programmed i mean you can see that you can see that even in in fucking plants
4: yeah so what are we what are you disagreeing with
5: Uh, I I don't know. It just, it seems like you're, you're keying on this
6: idea that we're, we're all like um, inherently like, like, like killers on, on a basal level. And
5: that's our primary function as opposed Uh, to just,
4: okay. Just because a dog squeaks
3: on a toy and it gives them a dopamine release because it, it makes them feel like they're killing something. Doesn't mean they're going to kill you, or even kill other animals. Yeah, in maybe, the same maybe
5: I'm way. what you're saying,
3: it's so. I'm saying it's the exact same thing. How humans will play video games and do terrible,
4: terrible things, but it, they're not necessarily terrible people. It's just like we do the same thing that they do.
11: Yeah, the toy is a simulate. The toy is an analogy to GTA. It's not reality. It's not a real hedgehog that they're chewing up.
4: Yeah, my dog would never. I've seen my dog is terrified of even small animals.
6: Are you sure it's a dog? What? Are you sure that was a dog or not cat or something like that?
4: Wait, sorry, one more time.
6: So I'm saying that your pet is a dog, right? Yeah. Are you sure?
4: Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. She might be a polar bear.
3: But mostly dogs. She might have a little bit of polar bear in her.
9: There's this principle in like Dao There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just, like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want like just inevitably kinda of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Dao 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 Taoism Dao- 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 where it's- it's like the more you fight something the more like the opposite of what you want inevitably it kind of starts to happen
13: Tripping on the bird app listening to nerd slap wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed it's like everybody's holding heavy bags in web 3 that's why they can't fly they just drowning in the bird bath fishing for some dry powder watch how we ignite the tower blowing up their bank accounts for getting out of like the power y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes they preach in open source but don't listen to the code and now it's mutiny community uprise this no more humility, futility, plus size Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal Which side of the line you beating out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose Sticking with my armory Yam, Beto and Bruce Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? Is it, GFM Is it really is it worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think is clear now.